Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head into the heart of Kong territory this week with Ray Kellogg's, John Wayne's, and Mervyn Leroy's 1968 bombastic Vietnam War epic, The Green Berets. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hey. Mike B. Yep. Unfortunately, the Kong mortars got Nate this morning, but we're joined by <laughs> special guest, historian, resident Vietnam War expert, and friend of the podcast, Jason. Buenos dias. Ohio. <laughs> Salute. Ohio. Ohio. Hi, Duke. So, guys. So guys what'd you, what'd you think? Get one. I'm not sure if the movie was long enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Two and a half hours. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, th I think it could have, yeah. I go onto Amazon. I click on the movie. I'm futzing around with other stuff, you know, on the internet. I It occurs to me, Jason, how long is this movie? I go and literally... It reverberates through the entirety of the apartment. Two hours and 21 minutes! Movies were longer back then. But, you know, you have an epic back then. Big old epic. You know, it's got, they, gotta, they gotta make it epic. They gotta stretch it out. Um, now, it's interesting. If I can just jump right in here. Um, this movie is a movie I've always known about. You know, it's a movie I've always heard about. This is my first time actually watching the whole thing, though. Um... And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's infamous for, you know, just being this horrible piece of shit, which I'm not going to say it's not, but like, it's not nearly as bad as some things I've seen. Well, it's a, it's a, exactly. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Vietnam war movie made in the style of contemporary world war two action adventure uh, yes. movies. Of course. So yes. it's a, it's and a, I'm... it's a Vietnam war movie that's staged, presented, filmed and brought to you. Uh, obviously not quite up to the level of quality you have from movies like uh, Where Eagles Dare, mm -hmm. Guns in Navarone. What what else? Dirty Dirty Do Everything dirty, else. Dirty Dozen. Hell's for Heroes even. Dirty Dozen was a, yeah, a year before this. Uh, John Wayne actually turned down the our, the, the the role that the lead in that um, Lee Marvin to do this movie. Yeah. Um, Good. Would it be in this movie? Wow. Yeah, yeah. To do this movie, um, he turned down the role of. What the hell is his name? Um, Lee Marvin? Lee Marvin, yeah. He turned on yeah. the Lee Marvin role in that to do this movie. Because Lee Marvin never played himself. <laughs> That's funny. Now, Lee Marvin was actually in World War II, unlike John Wayne. Yeah, it was, it, it was his World War II service that had him getting really shitty towards Toshiro Mifune on the set of um, Hell in the Pacific and like going at him and like making him you got to apologize for making literally making him apologize for the, the actions of the japanese during world war ii on on set really <laughs> wow yeah yeah he got he got him before, which is even more that's a mixed bag of a movie too it's an even more it's even more ironic when you know what toshiro mifune's world war ii service in japan was what his job was <laughs> well now i'm curious what 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 do you do he was the guy who was in charge of kind of wrangling up and like kind of shepherding over kamikaze pilots in the days leading up to their missions. So it was his job to make sure they took care of all their family, uh, 
you know, all the arrangements for the family <laughs> up to it, including like collecting locks of hair and fingernail clippings so that they would have something to bury. Huh. Um, wow. Kind of trying to try to take trying you try to like take them out on the town and keep get them like get get them good and like you know get give them one good last last big hurrah, you know. Try to like try to try to like prop them up when they would do things like oh geez I don't know just spontaneously put their heads in their hands and start bawling. <laughs> Jesus. So that was his that was his World War II service. Um, wow, crazy. Huh. There comes um, Lee Marvin twenty five years later. <laughs> we'll make sure to bring this up when we do you know the Dirty Dozen or whatever or um, Hell in the Pacific because that's Hell such a Pacific, fucking strange yeah. movie. I I haven't watched the whole thing and it's a very just strange one. And I think you're right. That's the first World War II Pacific film he did. Because he did a lot of Korean War movies and he did a lot of World War II like B movies in the fifties, and it's cool because like because he's a World War II vet, you see him do the crazy shit with all his gear, like the way he has his cleaning rod stuck through his sling swivel and everything as grand as what he did in the service. Um, but that's that's a very interesting tangent, huh? Um, but just going back to the movie, so yeah, my first time seeing it, I was I, I was almost expecting it to be much worse. Honestly, like I was laughing through the whole thing pretty much like i was yeah i i i couldn't make it through the opening credits without beginning to like just chuckle and giggle like unironically because you guys we all watch the same movie the op this movie opens up it must have been i must have it must be on my mind because i mentioned i i i you know i name dropped fistful of dollars this movie opens up like a spaghetti western it's super colors all the yeah, color all, all those yeah. colorful static shots that are like have been like What's what what's what's the I know it's not I know I don't know if the word dot matrix was a thing at the time, but you know how they looks like they're like almost been Xerox two hundred times to get the effect on the still image they're showing. Bright colors. Yeah. I literally felt like I should be hearing, you know, Morricone music while we're watching because you know, cause instead of banditos and cowboys like falling down and doing that bloop bloop, it's all these stuntmen. <laughs> right. Well, um it seems like Jason's gone, so uh <laughs> with his thoughts on the movie um who else wants to go well mike you didn't finish your shit up okay so um so yeah that's just what it was i just i felt like you know i was expecting much worse but like still it was funny like everything in it was funny um is it stupid yes is it like bombastic and prop heavy with his propaganda yes but uh it's i don't know like I I, just, I was expecting much worse. I've seen much worse, you know. So it's like, yeah, it's a stupid, stupid movie. But yeah, it's it's funny as hell, and uh, yeah, I I, I enjoyed. Uh, I I enjoy. I, I even though it was two and a half hours long, I was laughing through a lot of it because of everything, and and it was just funny. <laughs> yeah, that was that, my experience. Like my experience, it felt like it actually wasn't wasn't actually bad enough to be famous. It was just it kind of like. Yeah, it was bad, but it was a lot of it was just kind of mediocre and there and just kept reminding me of better movies that, you know, they were copying like, I don't know what the Devil's Brigade. The Devil's Brigade was uh, that's what actually was the first um, that the Devil's Brigade was made because they were trying to get this movie made and they weren't able to. So they went and did the Devil's Brigade instead. And then afterwards, then they were finally able to get the military behind them to do this movie. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere online, I read that um, they like they like reached out to Lyndon Johnson specifically. Somebody wrote him a letter. I don't know if it was John Wayne or who like asking for for like, this movie. Yeah, for like DoD assistance oh. in making the film. And somebody on Johnson's staff said, "Well, you know, John Wayne's not 
one of us politically speaking, but he's going to try the message he's trying to convey is actually very much so in our favor. And mm-hmm. so, so they went ahead and he, they, they got, it. as you can see, it's all on screen. They had all the gear and all the fucking rows of tanks. Like they're right, right. Well, that's, that's one thing I wanted to bring up. And I'm sure all of us notice it is that this movie, it is United States army porn. You know, it is just like that. Once you get to that airfield, dude, it's just like you got you got the C one thirties, you got these all is so many Huey shots and everything. It's just like it's so they're pulling up and walking around and like literally while the while the uh, when the general pulls up, it's like greeting John Wayne. You see, it's not even a Huey; it's that little like Chopper Dan thing with the gigantic uh, bulbous fucking uh, windshield, just kind of like the, like the mash helicopter. Yeah, the mash copter yeah. just is just casually floating by. Four feet off the ground, like that's no, like like yeah, yeah. We do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's insane a, that shot. You yeah. got a great shot of a Chinook out there. It's just like there's so, this is if you want like you know Huey helicopter pornography, this is the movie. And it's it's all yep. it's excuse me, it's all contemporary. It's not like we, it's a recruitment tool, dude. Yeah, it's like they this is to advertise the, the military. You don't need a recruitment tool for a war where they had to draft people. Where they had to low, they had to low, well, they had to lower the standards of draftees to get the to throw so bodies that, into that it. Was, to interject. So I, I, let me get my thought on here quick, and then we can just jump because this is a good conversation. So just really quickly, yeah, I don't know. This film is almost sad in a way for what you guys described because it's like you know a World War II movie, but they're in South Vietnam. So all these tropes that worked in these films that were of events that happened 20 years before just don't work for the current situation now. You know, it came out in June of 68. So just a few months after Tet and a few months after Walter Conkright told people, I don't think we're going to win the Vietnam War. So like it just I don't know if this movie came out in 66 or 64, I feel like it would have a much better reception and just I don't know, be a better film. But it's just too little too late you know it's well, it's, it, it's it's a yeah ahead, oh it's just um it it's just a very interesting film because it shows the real disconnect between the culture war you know and what was really happening and what people were hearing from their friends that were like either on leave from in country or had been to in country earlier on and what people thought was happening or what the narrative of the press was pushing that was you know six months to 24 months old already you know because the war by that point, was so different than what they're showing, you know, because they're really showing the advisor war, you know, the 64 or 66 kind of stuff. But just, I don't know. I just felt sad. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's just it's meant to it's it's meant to um, detract, you know, everything that the media is depicting about the war. They're trying to like that's why I call it like it's a you know, it's it's propaganda. It's a you know, it's a tool for to, to t- try and tell people that what they're doing is good. You know, they're trying to snuff out all of the negative, you know, uh, press and everything like that that was coming from the war, you know, and all that stuff. That's what the movie really feels like to Pre- me. Present a counter yeah. or present a countervailing narrative to, to the one that's already out there because you had this one narrative, which was, mm-hmm. which was gaining so, yeah. traction very much so of, of the media, you know, latching onto it. It was very, it was very, you know, it was very, very almost impossible to find any other kind of take on it. So it's just right. what I, guess, I suppose John Wayne was trying to do. Oh, it's totally there, what he was trying to do. Yeah, you know, and there, mm-hmm. there there are interest there are interesting things in the film that I don't think are 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 that are so unrealistic. You know the uh, you know so, so you know but uh, certain elements which I was like I was like thinking yeah you know that that's an interesting element. It's too bad it's buried under all this fucking jingoistic you know in your face mm-hmm. you know craziness. 
Yeah. Birch, let's get your final thought or intro, or intro thoughts now. I'd love to jump into all the military gear and shit that they were using. <laughs> yeah, some initial thoughts were um, I remember this video or this video. I remember this film being a lot more shitty than I remember it as. And for the first hour or so, it wasn't that bad. Um, Because it's like that's what SF was literally doing is going in, training local, basically militia groups, right? The Montagnards um, and all that other shit. And, like, they were paying them. They were setting up bases so they could just kind of keep tabs with what the NVA and the VC were doing. And they showed that. Very small groups operating within remote areas and everything. Whatever. And then it starts getting stupid after about the hour mark. And it's just all like this fucking 60s combat shit, quote unquote combat shit. And it's just like this fucking tactically like it was just a fucking disaster. Like whatever. But like um, it, it went from something that was showing what the Green Berets were actually doing in Vietnam to an extent to just, oh, these guys are just these fucking macho men fucking Rambo, you know, before Rambo existed, like these guys are invincible. They were fucking, they, they just thwart every fucking advance and whatever. And it's like, okay, propaganda again, like Mike said, it's propaganda. This is, this is in 68, right? The Vietnam war was not popular after the Tet offensive of 68, as we've talked about before. And so, oh, well let's, what can we do? Well, let's get John Wayne in here. One of the shittiest fucking actors to have ever made that big of a career in Hollywood ever. Yes, people can bitch at me in the comments, but he he really no, hold hold on hey hold on Jason. Um, so one of the shittiest fucking actors, but they threw him in there because this will convince the American people that if John Wayne's in for this cause, it's a worthy cause. And 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 he he hey wrote, he did did I say I'm done? Okay, so because of that, then that's your final push propagandistic-wise in the, in the civilian culture is to uh, release a film like this and have John Wayne, oh my God, the fucking big... But it's all a Western film. That's all it is. It's a propagandistic Western film in the end. And so it was okay until about an hour and then the... Next hour and 20 minutes was horse shit. So now I'm done. Yeah, we can go from there. And, and John Wayne, and, and, you're, and you're absolutely right, but John Wayne even fucking really, really ropes it in in his performance in this movie. If you compare his, him here, the way he's acting, what he's doing, the way he's like going at the whole thing to say, I don't know, off the top of my head, um, the longest day, Mm-hmm. It's right. it's very different. It's in, it's in, it's in, it's, in, it's 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 very different. I once read in a, in a magazine. I read an interview with a World War II a World War II veteran who was part of the actual uh, whatever whatever unit it was that John Wayne was supposed to be in in the longest day. And eighty like, second was the, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, okay, so who? Well, did you, they were talking about the movie. It's like, so who was your who was? Your, I forget how he came up, but he says, oh, I guess I guess that that officer was meant to be played by John Wayne, but I really didn't see it is the nicest thing he had to say about the performance. So I, <laughs> Well, no, the funny thing... Uh, sorry, sorry, continue. Uh, uh, finish your thing. No, you go ahead. 
Okay, so the funny thing, if we had a little thing about The Longest Day for a second, the funny thing about John Wayne in The Longest Day is that he's depicting Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Benjamin Vandervoort. Now, on D-Day, Vandervoort is a real guy. He was 28 years old. Um, <laughs> John Wayne was, I think, 50... Like six or something <laughs> when they when they made the longest day. So yeah, it's and and then like in this that was sixty two. This is sixty eight. So yeah, he was like sixty sixty one by the time they were making this movie. Making the uh, so yeah, it's just you know he was a, he was a he was a big star man. You know, and they're not gonna go out. They're not gonna go down without a fight. So yeah, he's gonna still continue to be in. And shit at this this point. Look, I, I don't want to say he looks bad, but a lot, but the majority of the cast weren't wearing like t-shirts under their fatigue jackets for obvious reasons. And like, man, his hit hit all all that skin like from the neckline down, which you can see a few times. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. He just he just needs some medallions hanging in there, you know. But uh, um, speaking of that, though, I, one of my favorite pieces of uh, talking about want to talk about uniforms and shit is the reporter in his pristine tan leisure suit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Looking like uh, looking like uh, you know Father Brady or something, you know, <laughs> walking around. He's going to a party later. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Speaking about that guy, oh my god! Like, uh, if it's not like propaganda, Mr. like the reporter who is against it. Then joins the army in the end. It's like, oh, it's just so on the nose and it just hurts. You know, yeah. it's like, ah, oh. his facial tics and his mannerisms are so reptilian in like the first third of the movie. It's like really, really in your, the guy's really acting very hard. It's like, oh man, like, yeah, you, right. you have to, you have to expect to see a, a forked tongue, like zip out of his mouth and like sniff the air like a snake before zipping back in at any point. His, his fucking Mr. Roper comb over. I was hoping he would have like an ascot or a neckerchief on with his leisure suit. You know, that's what, I was, what it was missing. But he didn't. They got you on that one. Yeah. And, and then he goes, he actually does the unthinkable. He actually does what John Wayne. Why, why don't you, you ever been over there? Well, 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 <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, yeah, yeah. And then he actually, he, he goes like, holy shit. Right. And then later on, he, he makes up for, it, you know, he's like, uh, what does he say? Uh, it's hard for people to talk about this place without actually being here. And it's like, that's rich coming from someone who wasn't in. I don't know if John Wayne ever went to Vietnam. Like No, guarantee you he didn't. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart did. He went on a mission over Hanoi, but John Wayne didn't. So. I wouldn't be surprised, dude. F- fucking Jimmy Stewart was in World nope. War II as a that, pilot. <laughs> that was a big thing. Yeah. Bob Hope, bigger balls than John Wayne confirmed. <laughs> legit right yeah um it was actually a real big problem he didn't he was a air force general in the reserves and he was on an observation flight from okinawa to hanoi and he didn't want it to get out and it got out you know and because of the controversy of vietnam you know it was a big thing but yeah i know he was a world war ii bomber pilot and everything and he did 25 missions i think over over europe so he was a hardcore guy but yeah, yeah fucking jimmy stewart had more vietnam war service than john wayne did yeah, well, I mean, that's great and all, but it's like, we shouldn't dog someone for not wanting to go get killed at the same time. No, yeah. no that, that's but, the thing, is like, yeah. it's not a requirement, but like, yeah, it helps you to understand and be a better actor, in my opinion. Right. Um, in some situations, in some films, uh, if you have been there and done that. So, mm-hmm. imagine the press, <laughs> imagine the press junket in Saigon. Oh my God. That would have been a, that would have been a barrel of laughs. Wasn't Jimmy Stewart's son KIA? I'm not I sure no to be idea. honest. I've never heard about I that. Look that up. I believe I believe his son was KIA, possibly in Vietnam, but it could be a different, or maybe not. And that like 
it really, it really, after him trying so hard to be like, not, let's just say to not be anti-war, you know, to be, to not be anti-war and, yeah. be, and be sane about it for that to happen to his son was very, well, imply, yes. imply, implying losing a, losing a child isn't painful period anyways to, you know, for it, to, to go down that way. Yeah. 24 year old stepson in 1969, he lost. So the most violent year yeah. of the entire war. Yeah, sixty-eight and sixty-nine. Oof. Yeah, because it was it was it was the fuck me, no fuck you factor after Tet. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was like the the Vietnamese forces, the NVA and the Viet Cong were like, "Hey, oh, we can break you. It's just going to take us a lot more people than we thought, but we're going to break you because we just did back home." And yeah, it was fucking insane. Like 68 and 69. Like I know a lot of guys personally, a lot of them are dead now, but like who were there in 68 and 69, they said it was fucking insane. Just nonstop fuckery nonstop. And, um, so what, uh, Brian, when the fuck is this film supposed to take place? Like what year? So it's interesting. It's set. It comes out in 68. They yeah. obviously shot it in 67. So I'd guess 65, 66, you know, which is because they did have these small hamlets or special forces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Places throughout the whole war. So you, yep. there, were, there was a famous one. The Hamlet Pacification yep. Project. Is that what it was called? That, well, that was the, well, the strategic Hamlet program. That was the later one where they had like the platoons in the villages. But the early ones were like the, this, the, the camps. And they actually did have names like A107 or whatever. They were just special forces camps of like a. A battalion of yeah, and that started in '64. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. and and like you know, yep. with Montong yards, and they would have a 500 man force. Like they, even they're saying, let's bring the villages in here because we could have defense. You know, um, and then, but I think the strategic Hamlet program with with legs was later on. That was like a '68 '69 thing that was. Based so off when of does this film take place? Because I I there's no clear. So it's based off of the the special forces Green Beret, who was the Finnish soldier who was in the SS. Toku or something or Towney Henry yeah. Towney okay. and he was killed in Vietnam in 65 and they actually found his remains in 99 but it's based off of his actions in Vietnam so this is so probably 65 64 65 is what I so would very have early to put an yep. estimation on very early in the war and it, coming at it from that angle you know well, they it are must have been 65 because they had the, the air cab there at the end yeah so you're so right so it must it have been must 65 have been. Yep, yeah so so post Danang and everything like that. So probably fall of yeah. 65. Yeah. Be realistic. And there were mm -hmm. a lot of cool things. I mean, obviously, because they had the DUD support. Tiger Stripe was right because it had to be correct. So that was nice. You know, the Duck mm -hmm. Hunter hats. I mean, that was interesting to see for the Arvin. That's not really correct. Well, but no, but it's it, cool. It was I actually like. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's Jason. there's there's at least one Woodland uniform in this movie. I didn't see it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Not not Woodland. Uh, the, the flower power. Oh, Ertl? There's, there's one Ertl uniform in this movie, yeah. Really? Where? I, I'm intrigued. I want to find it. It's somewhere. It's somewhere in the middle part where a whole like grabastic gobbledygook of. Oh, dude, the Mike Four shows up. No, no, it's it's them getting loaded up to go someplace, and it's one of those things where there's tons hmm. of uniforms going back and forth and back and forth, and a bunch of extras. And yeah, there's That's a lot cool. of extras, That's... and there's an Ertl uniform in there, and I saw that, and I was like, huh. But I'm sorry, it, it wasn't enough of a ha oh, for me to actually drop a timestamp on it. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's interesting because that's yeah. like probably pre ripstop Ertl. That's like the first because it was just coming out in '67, like when you see it in the field. And again, this yeah, when it was, yeah, yeah, huh? That's cool. And I wonder where they shot this because it, it could be California or Georgia. it could be North Carolina. It's, yes. it's North Carolina. It's yeah. it, dude, the, the vegetation. 
The vegetation yeah. is fucking completely yeah. North Carolina. While the, while, the, while the big bad bush sure does look a lot like Northern California. Oh, well, I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> there was a, the, the, there were, it was when the big assault was happening. It's my favorite part of the movie, obviously. Um, the, yeah, uh, we got a good Wilhelm scream in there. Um, a couple of them. Yeah, there's yeah, a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. There's several, one that's like yeah. really audible. Then there's one that's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a few. There might have been three, but I, who, who's counting? I yeah, counted right. three. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay, I, I, I it's think the ballpark. Yeah, I got three. Yep. The 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 model helicopter on fire was adorable. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the, what about the outlook? T- the lookout tower crumbling, and you can see its dolls inside. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fall out but no that helicopter that's like the ufo at the end of plan nine from outer space when it's on fire <laughs> like that's what i was thinking about <laughs> i'm really glad i'm really glad that when we get into imfdb it's gonna be great uh discussing that really realistic and accurate m250 caliber machine gun yeah um, i was curious or the about mattel that. toy he actually has a real mattel toy yeah, the marauder the, 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 yeah. yeah the marauder yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I believe, if memory, not, not to jump ahead too far ahead in the narrative of the movie, I don't know if we're trying to go speak about the movie chronologically and where the plot is concerned. The Provo character gets stitched in the back with a 50 caliber and he's dying and he's commiserating with John Wayne. And I'm like, I'm watching this scene. I'm like, then I click, literally my head clicks over. I'm like, wait a minute. That was a 50 cal. Shouldn't this guy be just like bits and pieces, like in a pail? Like, well, it's a Mondeuse. 12.7 by 99. Four feet away too. Like you're, you get, you're, you're you hurting get muscle at that burns. point. You're 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 hurting. Yeah, I think it's a ter- uh, it's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie, but I think it's called it's 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 King is it Kingdom of the Dead where the zombies are in Las Vegas? They take I've over Las. Is it? Yeah. I think it's shit. It's like the fun- no idea. Jamie, but but there's definitely there's a scene in the opening where um Amad Deuce lights up some some zombies and they just they just puff up puff in, into like just juice. It doesn't nice. really do that in real life, but um. It's a big hole. It's a lot of fucking, um, a lot of the cavity that, the, the what the fuck's it called? Cavitation. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the cavitation with the gases and everything and the inertia behind the actual bullet. With a fucking 430 grain bullet, yeah. If you got hit where it showed he got hit on this film, you got about maybe four minutes tops. And then you're going to be, you're, you're going to be, no, you're going to be done. You're going to be done. You're going to be toast. So, but that's oh. enough time to figure out what rhymes with your last name for you know. For when you die or die. So, God damn, dude! Yeah, I was like, Provost oh. Privy. If a guy like that walks into my office and says, "I I haven't been picked, so I'm volunteering," looking at me with those bugged out, fucking cracked out eyes, I'm gonna literally like like make sure my back's to a wall and go, "We'll we'll, we'll uh we'll be in touch." Oh my god! Sorry, I was just watching the helicopter crash scene again. The flame like goes if you're using proportions of the helicopter, it goes like a hundred feet above the helicopter yep. in the air. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's a tiny flame that's like this big. But uh, well, there's no fuel in the front of the helicopter. Well, so it's when it cuts yeah. to the actual like life size prop that they're using. First off, when the shot starts, you can see the ropes tied to it that let it go, and yep. then it swings. The help the propeller's not moving at all; it's on fire, and then it just hits the ground and rolls and like a million pieces and then the next shot John Wayne and the rest get out it's like what <laughs> clearly 
yeah, clearly a stunt Brian. double if you look like you could see the guy looks for a minute and it's not john wayne uh yeah. and then like obviously his helicopter crash is really bad and the first thing he does is get that man a medic and they're like take him down the hill he's like got a crushed fucking everything yeah. <laughs> don't move him keep you, him where he is you like, would all you know. be fucked yeah and then yeah, like, like you gotta have your full body burn because that's you know something oh like yeah right and then, but nothing <laughs> else happens with that then he's like, ah, then the sparks. And then, okay. Into the, into the jungle. He's running off into the night. <laughs> yeah. Engulfed in flames. He, he's going to light the way for Puff, you know? Like, Scares the shit out of the gooks, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, or when, exactly. When the, yep. when the mic force arrives, get down, bulldog. It's like, they were five <laughs> feet away. Like, what, what the fuck? And yeah. They didn't realize. Time? Yeah. And also, they're in, a, they're in a, oh, my God. So this is one of the things that I hated about this goddamn film. It's like. Yeah, your mic force. Those guys are elite fucks, right? Very elite. They're the elite of the elite. And they're going to be sitting there all in a gaggle fuck, like a fucking high school football team celebrating homecoming, right? <laughs> it's like, you're retarded for even <laughs> portraying it that way. Because no, these guys are all going to be in fucking formations. They're all going to be disappeared. They're all going to be within earshot. You know how to communicate with them. This fucking gaggle fuck of guys that they've had several times in the film, not just with Mike Force. Okay. Well, we're getting we get mortared every fucking three or four days. Cool. You don't think the fucking the VC are gonna fucking see that and be like, oh, these guys are gaggling up. And so we're just gonna launch one fucking round and eliminate about 75% of that gaggle fuck. So then it's easier to take the fucking firebase. I mean, really, like, and when they're walking to, like, come on. When they're walking, dude, even back then, especially the special forces knew what a fire team wedge was, right? <laughs> out, spread out, walking together. You're not in this cluster of people. Like, what the fuck? I just see, I just see them like diddy bopping around and all I can hear in the back of my head is the baby elephant walk. Right. <laughs> it's retarded. It's, it's, it's so absurd and so stupid. One shot that I loved was when the, um, the AC 47 came by and just gunned down the whole place with its mini guns. Puff. Yeah, yeah, and um, just the the extras are just standing there, just waiting for their squid. Yeah, to go exactly. Off. <laughs> yep. yeah. 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 yeah, that was good. Yeah. They're having a great. They're having a great time. They're raising the flag. They're there. You can literally. It, it's got to be the same exact uh, uh, archive sound effect they use for for like cowboy movies or like uh, uh, cowboys and movies. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For for like them like tearing things apart and all this other stuff. And I'm like, that's yep. gonna be the same hooting and hollering like fucking Apaches. Uh, <laughs> it definitely was the same. You're, well, you're, you're on point there. Yeah. If yep. we can talk about sound effects for a second, the first one that I really noticed was. Let's get pissed. I'll be right. All right. Okay, guys. So, doing sticker trivia again. This week's question is: During what movie's production did Donald Sutherland become seriously ill and had to stop shooting for a few days, to the point where his wife received a telegram saying that he would probably die before her arrival? So, as always, guys, whoever gets it right, uh, or take your guess, send us a message on Instagram or Facebook, and the sticker is yours. One that when it comes to the sound effects, the one that I really noticed at first that I was familiar with was when they get to Vietnam and they're on the C-130 and the door starts coming down. The sound effect they use is the sound effect that Looney Tunes used when there's an elevator. It's the it's the <laughs> Looney Tunes elevator sound. I'm like, 
That's the that's the elevator sound from every Looney Tunes short. They should have stuck with that and had Looney Tunes sound effects for everything, like a really <laughs> yeah, loud, exactly. like a guy gets punched. I want a really loud kapow, like you know, yeah, bonk. Do I, do I know a really funny little trade secret? What's that? When you're on a C-130 or by a C-130 and that ramp drops, you don't hear it. You don't hear anything? You don't hear it at all? You don't, you don't hear fucking any sound. It just, it just does its thing. Go back and, go back and watch it, though. That set that... I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, like, that is the Looney Tunes yep. elevator sound. <laughs> yep. first, the first thing I thought of when I saw that scene is like, when you read about all the memoirs, is how the wave of heat and humidity hits you. The second that that fucking hell or you know plane opens, yeah, no, it does. Like, yeah, yep, you're it in Southeast does. Asia. The like, memoirs, oh, the mem- yeah, the memoirs also all always seem to reference the stink. <laughs> yeah, that's it, dude. When when that when that fucking ramp dropped on the C-130 when we got to Iraq, it dropped, and you literally could not hear it. It was like it was just all you could hear was the of the props because they're so fucking loud. And then all of a sudden, you just see the ramp drop, the little door come in. You see the light peeking in. Yeah. Yep. And then we, we landed during a fucking sandstorm, which is fun. And so we were walking down the ramp of that C-130 onto the tarmac. And it was just loud. And then we're like, Jesus, okay. But yeah, the heat, it wasn't super humid, but it was fucking 120 degrees at night. And it was fucking hot. And then the sand and the stink hits. And then... You walk around the tarmac, and they're like, "Welcome to Iraq. Get your fucking shit. Get the fuck over there." Was it okay? Did every, did everything <clears throat> suddenly become from like your normal like you know the way you see the world normally to tinted yellow like in every movie about the Middle East? What, what do you mean by tinted yellow? You know, it's like it's like, hey, 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 we got to set this movie in the Middle East. Be sure to use the piss filter on the entire film. Yeah, everything is oh, all well, also, No, it, while while they're okay. dri- while they're driving yeah. through the desert, give me some of that kind of singing <laughs> right. going on. Yeah, no, it's no. just it was very um, it was it was really dark because we landed at like one or two in the morning, and then um, just dusty, like just tan. So yeah, no, no, I know what you're talking about though. Like now, like that That's filter, no. Yeah. But anyway, like so the same thing with like it didn't look like Dune. <laughs> what year was no. that? 2009. Okay, gotcha. And so, uh, but like in Vietnam, like they would land there and. You see the guys, you know, in this movie, like, okay, the ramp drops and all that shit, and none of them seem to be affected by the fucking humidity or nope. heat. And I'm like, even if you've been there before, you're acclimated to Fort Bragg, okay? Which is hot and humid, but it's not as hot and humid as Vietnam. Okay, why could you... It's a face that I, I washed everybody, and I had it as I was, I was putting my face to the side. Everybody was like, ooh. And then even the guys that had been there before. Yeah, I'll, 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 right. just give me a second, Jason. Um, even the guys that had been there before went, God damn. All right. Well, we're back. But they all had a re- Everybody had a reaction. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't like a big like, oh, God. But it was just like a, oof. All right. Get down the fucking ramp. Let's go. Yeah. And so go ahead, Jason. You know what movie has, has has exactly what you're talking about and does it real well, but then kind of stomps Pl- on it? Platoon. Yeah, Platoon, Platoon. Platoon does it well, but Platoon has just got to be so over the top that as, you know, he's getting off the plane, he has to encounter, like, I don't know, Death, whoever that guy is. Yeah, well, we, we actually we actually did see that, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we were going into Iraq, we saw carts going onto the plane. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... That that's no. not totally unrealistic. I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about a, he he walks past another soldier 
who looks like a fucking scarecrow with eyes like piss holes in the snow. Oh yeah, 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 and that guy, that guy, that guy. I'm like, is this, is this? Yeah. Are you, are you sure we're being, we're being in your face enough? Which is a fun, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all over exactly. stone, man. Which got, got to yeah. be in your face. Well, Cocaine. yeah, but that, that's fine because that was that was a. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's all good. Yeah. So when you landed and you were getting off the AC-130, was there like a, a little bird that was hovering four feet off the ground <laughs> meeting between no. the battalions of troops? <laughs> no, you know, like, no. Just well, there? We also, we also weren't special forces. We were just fucking light oh, infantry. Oh, yeah, so. fuck you. Yeah. You know, you don't get that escort, you know. A real, <laughs> a, a helicopter ground guide, you know. Jesus like, Christ, yeah. That, oh, my God. This so, was the most joyful uh, landing in country I've ever seen. Yeah, really, just like, oh, we're here, buddy. We're on a vacation. Let's do this. Yeah, there's a couple guys that are like kind of apprehensive, but it's like fucking everything's good, bro. Welcome to Vietnam. Accompanied with your best late '60s xylophone music. So (laughs) (laughs) the music in this, the soundtrack of this movie, fucking sucks dick. Yep. (laughs) So many times during the motion picture, I was like, hey, composers, if you want to hit me up off with something like something pretty good. Like some nice, like, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like fucking, uh, you only live twice, like big, you know, brassy symphonic to show the big battle. Now would be a great time. What do you got for me? Nothing. Indiscriminate yelling and, and, you know, explosive, explosive noises. (laughs) 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 You could have put on so much good fucking music, but at the time it was like, oh, it's rock and roll. No, that's... No, this is white collar America. We don't listen yeah, exactly. to that. Exactly. Well, the, count, no, the is... count, the counter, the countercultural aspect of just the experience. Period in country is nowhere to be seen, and that's how they that's how they wanted it. Which is fine for that. If it's sixty five, which we'll say it. So, Brian, would you say late sixty five, early sixty six? Can we agree yeah, on that? For the sale. Just for yeah. the frame of reference, Le, like for future. Yeah, Ladrang Valley. You know, does anybody? Does anybody? Yeah, Ladrang. Do any of you guys know anything about the novel this is supposed to be based off of? And, like, is the novel one of those things where a bunch of names get switched around? Or is it, like, an actual fully fictional... I think it's fully fictional, just loosely based off of that SS, Special Forces, U.S. Army guy uh, who was lost in Vietnam. I didn't see any books or anything it was really based off of. Unlike, per se, The uh, the Quiet American, which was based off a real book out of Indochina with Audie Murphy and stuff. Um, Because, like, there's not a lot else you get out of Vietnam at this time. You have, like, Jump Into Hell from the 50s, which is about D&B and Fu, and, like, a few other things. But there wasn't, like, I feel like this is the first real narrative to come out of Hollywood about the war. And that's why it's based, you know, in 65. And that's why it just has all these was, tropes from... I was going to mm-hmm. ask that, like, okay, like, is this the official first Vietnam War film? No. There's a guy that's probably, there's probably something else. Not, not, well, a war film. Yeah. yeah, sure. Because there, there might have been like little like weirdo kind of intrigue sort of movies, or like like proto spy movies, maybe, or, or documentaries like uh, the Anderson Platoon. Mm-hmm. I think that's sixty five. Yeah, which all so it, it it took until sixty eight to actually have a war movie made about this. Well, it was that's John, what I'm wondering. But look who's it was John Wayne trying to get it made, yeah. swimming right. upstream. You know. Yeah. Yep. Brian. So this is the. Third movie you've made about Vietnam in the 60s. The first one is 64 called A Yank in Vietnam. It's about a USMC pilot shot down. Uh, the second one is 66 to the shores of hell about USMC re- force recon troops fighting getting POWs. That's interesting. Mm. Um, then this is the third one. And there's a few other. The next one is two years later called The Losers, and it's about an American motorcycle gang is recruited to a mission in Cambodia. I've seen some I think of that, I've, yeah. I think I have too. And they have like hmm. German helmets on and stuff. Yeah, so swastikas. Yeah. this is the last of the real. 
deal. And there's a bunch of South Vietnamese ones, but this is the last of the real deal, like serious films that they're trying to make. Jason, I got it's, it's worth it's worth noting that this is a different time and a different place, and Hollywood was at this time significantly more resistant to putting current events up on the screen for everybody to see. Because nope. again, I don't, I do, I do not, I swear to you, want to go off on a certain like, oh boy, things sure have changed, or oh boy, things sure were different. But I don't want, I'm not trying to go there. But again, it is worth noting this is a this is a different world and. The, the powers that be where entertainments were concerned had different, you know, uh, you know, things they were, they were interested in doing. And again, there was what, a narrative, there was right, a narrative, right. And putting, and putting what's outside your, uh, what's going on in the streets outside your home up on the big screen or what's going on in the news up on the big screen, there was going to be pushback. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one thing to note about this, this was made during that period of Hollywood movies where, um, it's like a weird, it's like a 10 year period from like 66 to 76 where movies were getting, were really pushing the envelope with their violence. So to, to try and censor it a bit, the blood had to be this like bright, opaque red. Bright shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's like, and you see that in, in that 10 year gap. Yeah. From like 66 yeah. to six to 76. I think taxi driver was the first one to stop doing it. Oh, but, that- uh, go ahead. Go ahead. And they it didn't wasn't the wasn't the blood and taxi driver actually originally significantly more more vibrant, but it was they they had to go in and change like like uh, yeah. wasn't it a thing where they changed the color tone and got and got a pass because it was like, gonna get, it was gonna be rated X if they did yeah yeah but all, yeah, all, all no. he yeah but he says all he did was he just changed the color tone that's all exactly, he had to do yeah. the people the but, people who make these decisions are just fucking insane sometimes they are yeah but you need that sometimes but uh, the um, the and that ever since then, like the blood started to look a little bit more realistic, and it started to look more like traditional movie blood. But during that ten year gap, like you watch Dirty Harry, um, you know, really violent movies, and the blood is always this very bright red. Yeah, it's like it's the yeah, it's it's to censor. It was like a a a, a method of censoring it, so it didn't look so realistic. Kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, painted literally. Yeah. It's it's, like, okay. Yeah. You're shot. It's yeah. just pastel paint. Yeah. It's like pastel paint. It's like car paint. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> hey, I got it, a gallon of dead guys here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so fucking bright. Yeah, because I noticed that too, though. I'm glad you commented on that because mm-hmm. that was one of the, among the hundreds of things that were fucking terrible right. and wrong, the technically, worst. with this film. Dirty Harry is pretty bad with it. Um, What's it called? The French Connection is one of the, the worst. It's like a cop gets <laughs> shot on the subway, and it looks just like, it looks like, Ed's secret sauce from Good Burger explodes from his chest, you know? It's weird, too, because you're talking about movies where the actual things like the squib work right. is, actually, is actually really good. And then, like, so you got what, what, amount, what amounts to, again, again, let, let's, you know, we're not trying to do hyper, hyper-realism, because hyper-realism is, tr- I mean, true realism is, I shoot, I shoot somebody, they go down splat. They don't yeah. throw their arms up, they don't do a, do a, do a, right. you know, do a dance. Right. Right. They, no, they don't, they don't even fly back. Munition hits you, goes out the other side of you, you go down, that's it. End of story. And that's that I've heard, I haven't done the research myself, but I've heard if you go back to films, way back in films, like closer to after World War One, and then moving on from that, that is what you see for a very long time. And then as time mm-hmm. drags on and more theatricality and more means of trying to like lend, I don't know, thematic or narrative weight or like pizzazz or zazz or whatever to your movies. You see more of the, the oh no, the guy's got to f- go flying back or the guy's got to make a big like, you know, 
do something melodramatic when yeah, you get shot. When, yeah, I don't know why the fuck that happened. Like, because you, you would think it would be more in the like silent film era, right? Uh, you would think it would be more then, but it actually was in the fucking with sound era of cinema. And so what, what the fuck happened? Like, who knows? I, I mean, my, the only theory I can think of is that you had so many more people around you who had been in a war. At the time, you mean? Like, when, like back then? Yeah. Yes. And like, like world, I'm, I'm specifically, I'm talking about World War One. Okay. No, 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 yeah, yeah, I, I'm just thinking right now. Yeah, and... That's it's, a, it's, it's not a, it's not a very good theory. It's not a very it's not a very no, good theory. I'll admit, no. I'll, I'll just say that. I'll just throw that. Out. I mean, no, it's, it's no, all I got. I, I agree with it because it's funny because you think about it. Up to 1930, you know, for World War One films, Wings is very realistic. Uh, the Big Parade, very realistic. That's all pre code. Um, yeah, pre code. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's Western, uh, Western, West Front, 1918. Front. Yeah, that's great, and it's not until like. The, you could say the first All Quiet on the Western Front kind of has a little bit of that flailing and things like that. And that's kind of like where it starts. And then you're right. You're about 10 years after the war. So mm-hmm. it's – no, I think you're onto something there with the – Yeah, no. The I mean, 30s too, was the start just, of like this – oh. you've, you've also got the famous – it's part of that, that like – I don't know what you call it. But like that theory is like you've you got the famous uh, story from – I don't know. What is it? The Two Towers where – the guy's like, that's that's not what a how, that's not what a the sound a man makes when you when you stab him. I don't know about that. Oh yeah, with uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, Christopher Lee's oh. like that's, that's yeah. He's not even trying to be a thing. He's like that's that's not what people do when you stab them. It's like what do they fuck? What he's like? Well, what do they do? It's like they they go. Oh. Right. Yep. Right. Oh shit! The making of yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. The, the gasping exa- for air. Yeah. And that's the thing is like um, you know. I, I'm just trying to process a lot of that because that, that that theory had never really like I hadn't really thought of that. But you're right. I think I think you're you're really correct. Is because when you've got guys that have been there and done that and seen that and experienced that, and you're an advisor for a film, you can make it a certain way to be more realistic. And then when you get away from that, then you get the whole. Ah. Go ahead, Jason. A person like a, a person like a, a Dale Die. Has made a career off of doing that, but let's just—I want all the la- the one the point I want to make is now let's take having one Dale die who's a full time job is to is to give you that uh, that expertise and replace him with everybody being a Dale die because everybody and their dog got 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 drafted or or volunteered or like a like a, I'm, not, I'm sorry I feel I don't want to drag things too 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 far off off topic but there's a faint there's a there's a uh, there's a really good German uh, World War II movie that's actually a barracks drama that takes place before anything even happens in World War II. And it's made in the early 50s. And all these young dudes who are in their 20s and in their 30s in this movie, it's a given. It's a given. Statistically, it's a given that they were all drafted. And if you watch the movie carefully, you see them do all sorts of s- small things that you b- bullshit the director said, hey, you better, you better put your hand over here and play with your belt like that when you think you're about to get cussed out and make sure your belt is just is just dressed right. As, as, as the guy, as, as the, you know, the... Uh, the NCOs marching towards you at a dead heat, things like that, because because they're, they're not acting, they're not being instructed, they're remembering on film. Yeah. But anyways, I'm, I apologize. I'm surprised. No, 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 it's cool. no, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, that's MG815, right? Oh, yeah, which is actually which is also a slur. Yeah, that's the acronym for this is not going to fucking work out because it's, it's, the MG815 was well, yeah. It's the, it's the it's the it's the German World War II version of FUBAR and SNAFU. Uh, I was there was one really, really there was one German uh, German reenactment unit I was in 
and uh, one of the my, one of my, my squad leaders actually was German. And like I was, I was with something was still some stupid thing going on. I was like, what, what the hell's going on? But he just turned to me in German and said, you know, he said, I, I can't say, it, but he said, he said, he shrugged at me and said, oh eight fifteen, then turned back, and I was like, nice. Yep. Well, so that's Ryan, a great series. Well, it's t- mm-hmm. interesting that you're talking about that though, with like more people around and part of these movies, you know, that the, the, the made these movies were actually part of wars and such like that. Like Brian, you mentioned Wings. You know, yeah, Wings yep, is made movie. by by uh, Bill Wellman, who was in the Lafayette Flying Corps, you know, so it's <laughs> like in World War One. So it's like, yeah, that shit, that guy lived through that shit. So, of course, like he's going to be able to put his own experiences into it, you know, like uh, like what we're talking mm-hmm. about. So just an interesting yep. thing. It just like John Wayne put his experiences at Camp A-107 into this movie, you know. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Burn! <laughs> Somebody call an ambulance, but not for Brian. (laughs) But not for me. That's a very interesting point, though. Might as well just go piss on the man's headstone. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do you... Can I what? Do you know about the John Ford story with uh, John Wayne when they were shooting They Were Expendable? I think so. Tell it to me, though. So they were shooting They Were Expendable, and John Wayne was really the only guy there that wasn't a service member or, like, a veteran from the war. And they shot this in 46. The other lead, who his name escapes me, he was a PT boat commander during the war. And when he showed up on set in, in Florida, he saw a PT boat and just started crying. So they delayed production for a while because John Ford, obviously, he was a World War II vet. He had filmed all over the world for the Navy and stuff. So anyway, they finally started production because this guy could finally get on a PT boat. And they're doing the scene where John Wayne has to salute. And Ford made him do it 120 times. And at the end of it, he goes, well, fucking, I guess I can teach you to do something in the military and walked away. And, and oh, like, that was I support Ford, that 100 fucking percent. That was Ford basically saying, fuck you, John Wayne. You weren't there. You know, and it was yep. very interesting. And it was very early in production. We're going to talk, so, wow. talk about John Wayne getting fucking absolutely fucking ass blasted. I, I got a quick one. <laughs> Apparently, there's a couple of these. So one of the one of the last one of the uh, one of the last films he did was famously a film called uh, The Shootist. Yes, yes, yeah, with Ron Howard. Yeah, and The Shootist was meant to be a more a more down to earth, um, again a more a a slightly more realist kind of grounded gray area sort of western story. And the film, the the shooting script, called for there to be a scene where the John Wayne character would pull and and shoot a man in the back, just, just got him right in the back. John Wayne was being very resistant towards this and being very argumentative about this on set. He did not want to do it, and he wasn't really given like because, but he wasn't given a good reason. The character, you know, everything about the movie. This, this is this is a script. This is a full shooting script. The story called, you know, there's a reason we're doing this. It's a story. He's going on all, and finally the director just says, you know, Eastwood would just shoot the guy in the back. What the hell's your problem? He fucking lost it. I've heard this story. He fucking <laughs> lost. Well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not Clinton. Clint's not me. I don't got any problems with Eastwood. He's, like, he's going to be a good... I mean, he's falling all over himself trying to not call Eastwood a, a piece of shit. Because he can't. He's, he's all this stuff. He's, I don't want to... He's like, fuck, you know. Oh, oh, God. A couple months later, he was dead. <laughs> yeah. I think that movie came out after he died. Really? Yeah. That's 76, I think? 76. And, yeah. So I, it's a... Uh, I don't know. It's oh, wait, no, 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 I'm, I'm wrong. Sure. He died in 79. Never mind. Oh, well, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping that was true. And just while we're on it, so this film reminded me of some of the earlier John Wayne films. And seeing as he directed it, mm-hmm. I think there's a direct, you know, influence. Bull, First bull, off, bullshit, he directed this movie. He's credited. Well, influence, at least. He's credited. So, 
That's like that's um, like a movie where you have eight producers. Bullshit! They all they all produce the movie. You know right. what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Those other those, oh that, yes, oh yeah. That other guy did, did all the blocking, did all the shooting. Okay, maybe, you know maybe John Wayne jumped behind the camera once or twice to pretend he knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah, he shot the A107 scenes. You can see how good they are now. But what do you call it? <laughs> um, it reminded me of Stands of Iwo Jima in a way, like where they had Terawa and then they have Iwo Jima. Like there's two parts to it. And then also the fighting Seabees, because the Seabees are there and everything. And it just, again, it like reminded me in a lot of ways of his earlier heyday World War II movies from 20 years, 25 years before that they just put into this trope. So, yes, or we don't know what it was based off of, but if it's based off the idea of a special forces camp and then they're all working on it, I could see maybe how it was interjected into there. But one of the, I, I don't know. It just One of the Seabees in the movie is played by John Wayne's son. I presume it's the one who does all the talking because only one of them fucking talks. Yeah. yeah right. That's just we can feel that gap. I got a machine. That's just my pistol. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, it just reminded me of just earlier times. I could see this being like you know on a so bad it's good movie night. Like all of us watch this shit. Like it's it's, it's, it's not it's not as bad as I remember it to be. It's though. funny That's the though. Problem. But, but it's yeah, not yeah. it's not so bad. It's good. In my opinion, it kind of is. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying. I was. Um, I was I, it wasn't my. I didn't want to come in being belligerent, and I'm, tr- I'm still trying. I'm not trying to be belligerent, but like a piece of me is like, what? I don't care what. So Brian comes after. Brian come. Brian comes after me. Oh, Jason, you got to the podcast. We're gonna do a Vietnam movie. I'm like, cool. Like, can we? Can we do? Can, the Connecticut hang on, hang on, I'm to, hang on, hang on, I got, I got this, oh, but but wait, there's more. Hey, can we do something that's like actually fairly unique and actually a little bit quirky, but also ultimately quite good, like the odd angry shot? No, no, okay. Uh, can we do something where at least we're going to have a lot to talk about and a lot to chew on, like Apocalypse no, Now? No, well, well, Jesus, Brian, what are we going to do? The Green Berets! I'm like, <laughs> yep, splat, boom, Someone boom. has to do it. Someone has to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, Honestly, it's not it's not as bad as I remembered it. It's funny as hell for to me though. Some of it. Um, that's the, what that's the worst yeah. part about this movie though. It's not bad enough to be a true comedy. Correct. Correct. It's very. It's, it's very. It's very kind of like the thing because all the things my favorite parts in the movie. Thinking back on it now, talking to it with all of you are like the really over the top, just downright nasty, uh, fucking Fu Manchu traps. <laughs> Fucking pizza song. Yeah. A fucking a fucking yeah yeah the, yeah the, the little the, the, the little Asian kid the with wall. the Asian kid with Down syndrome. A, a Mexican stunt double absolutely gets his throat slit. Yeah. Like they even used the the, the the silly party to give him a fucking big thing here. And then yeah. they had the blood shoot out the other side out of the stunt knife. Maybe I don't know. K, K bars on everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. One thing we have not mentioned at all is the story of this movie, and that's because there is zero story. The, the movie is just, look at all this cool shit that the military has. Like, that's the whole movie, right? Well, it's a propaganda film. Yeah, exactly, the, yeah. So yeah, like, there's the, like, and it's right writing that's, that's very much so centered on just fucking smashing you over the, over the brain with a specific, with a specific narrative, a specific message. And they do it. It's the only, like, the best equivalent to this film I can think of is Gung Ho from 1943, which is a World War II propaganda film to make Marine Raiders. And it's literally just like this, you know, a wartime narrative supported by Hollywood and, and big industry. And yeah, it's just crazy. And, and we haven't talked about it yet too, but George Takai is in it. And I actually think he's cast well. 
Not gonna yeah, lie. yeah. Um, he was doing this was the same year he started Star Trek. So yeah, he was doing this while doing Star Trek. Yeah, he was. He, he had to miss a bunch of Star Trek episodes, which is actually why Chekhov became a character. Oh, is that the reason? <laughs> that's why. That's why Chekhov exists. That's basically why Chekhov exists. <laughs> How ironic! The communist became this a movie. Character. He had to miss like ten episodes. Uh, he, George Takei told he told allegedly allegedly. You know, you, who, who knows how you, how you get the t- truth out of George Takei about it at this point. But allegedly, George Takei told John Wayne, who wanted, who wanted him for the movie, says, look, I don't really, I don't really agree with what this movie's, what you got going on here, what this movie's about. It's not really, I don't agree with it. And allegedly, John Wayne said, half the people involved in this project feel the same as you. Okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to hire you because of your politics. I'm hiring you because of your talent. So can we, can, let's, let's just fucking go. Allegedly. Well, if that's the case, then he he sucked it up and did his job. But uh, I actually like I actually think George Takei is one of the good parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. There's if there's if there's a few little things in here, like little needles in the fuck stack, I you could have grabbed and take away. Like okay, now maybe put that over here, and maybe we could fuck we could have had something better germinating off of that. I actually think George Takei as the turbo gung ho. Uh, you know, guy in the in the in the uh, not, not what I don't know if they're even supposed to be the Arvin or what the fuck, but people like George Takei's character, Nim, those guys are real. Nine times out of ten, when you're when you're watching a VC suspect get get his fucking face, someone do a tap dance on his face, it's actually a guy like him. They always they always you know it's a, in footage and photos and stuff like that. So you know, something interesting there, but the film does absolutely not fuck all with it. He he would be the guy that was you know famously taken a photo of during Tet shooting the Viet Cong assassin. Yeah. You know, Indeed, like, that would have yeah, that would have been if he'd survived the, the the battle. That's what he could have wound up being. Um, you bo- you booby trapped all of your own foxholes. What the? F- well, that's that's not that's not totally unrealistic. Like, um, there was the Arvin. If you read a lot of like um, things those guys wrote and what's come out and like the the. Just the shit that like has been declassified and or it never was classified, but like the Arvin guys were ten times more scared than the fucking U.S. forces or the coalition forces, we'll say the Aussies and whatever the Rock guys. They were terrified because they're like, if I get captured or found out, my whole family's fucking done because of the VC, and like those guys were like they had a conundrum to face, like. Okay, so if the VC says, okay, we're going to launch an assault tonight, and then you guys take these guys out with the fucking machine gun so we can get in, what are you going to do to, like, save your family? Like, it's so... The Vietnam War, and and today, it's still the same thing, and it's always been this way in warfare, but, like, especially in Vietnam, it's so fucked up because, like, what do you do? What, What alliance... Do you have what? 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 What should you choose over your own family? And you know, both sides made it very hard. Like the Arvin, if they find out you're a VC, yeah, your family is not going to have a good time. They probably won't get killed, but like the VC and the NVA, yeah, you're you're, you're done. And we're going to make it very public to set an example. And it's like. And so a lot of the Arvin guys were so fucking paranoid about that shit, especially the commanders. And that's why I, I actually, this film's got a lot of shit wrong. I don't think that was unrealistic. I think it was unrealistic in the way it was presented. And like, 
he himself had the clacker and like all the claymores went off. Yes. That's a, a little bit Hollywood. <laughs> yes. Blofeld presses a button and some guy drops into a shark full of tanks in the, in the, in the office building. <laughs> right. That'd be but, a funny cut. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's unrealistic to have like an NCO or a, a, a junior officer to go, uh, I knew I it. don't trust these guys. I fucking, you know? or like, go like, I fucking knew it, but it am like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, or just shoot him, yeah. Yeah, which yep. is what the movie is trying to, to show you. Exactly. But exactly. it does yep. it in the wrong way. Again, this is where Nim, I Correct. think, is, is, is Nim is thinking, is, 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 again, I look at it and go, well, that's that's interesting. Why can't we have more of that and also better and not as, never mind. No, 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 keep going because that's that's exactly what I was saying is like, it's not portrayed well, but it happened. Because 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 in, in, yeah. in a better movie written by better people, you know, Nim could have been a fulcrum point of the plot where... He, he, he's as um, much of a true believer as he was to begin with and perhaps is getting even more, what do I want to say, extreme and brutalistic as the film drags on. And this is being said as a message, that, but like, you know, even as like a character, as, 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 as like American characters are becoming disillusioned. They don't want to believe that, but he does, yeah. Because sometimes you can't help but fan, sometimes I can't help but fan fiction a better, a better story. In some of these fucking movies, all it happens all the time. Like, why the fuck they do that? You could have done this and that and the other, this and that. And like, there you go. It's your better idiots, you know. I'm a filmmaker. I do that all the time. You know? Yep, we all do. And it's like, yeah, it's it, you know, it it is what it is. And like, uh, for that scene, it's like, and and a lot of the things that were like going on, like when they caught that one guy who was NVA or uh, I'm sorry, VC. Um, when they caught him, beat the. Fuck I'm not out doing of him, anything suspicious. Then... I also don't look incredibly creepy and 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 and, and like a. You know, yeah, that, that that was the thing. It was like they were portraying again. It's a propaganda film, and so they they portray these guys as retarded, and like, oh, I'm gonna actually actually like step out paces in front of everyone. <laughs> no, it's no, like, no, no. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna do this. Yeah, and then step out paces very, very, very precisely. All I, all, all, all I want to say about that actor is he was ugly enough and over the top enough to receive the ultimate honor for an actor like that of being brutally, mercilessly killed in a Death Wish movie by Charles Bronson. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, have I got a, man, have I got a franchise for you? You know, or no, like five years. Or like having yeah. his skull crushed by Sonny Chiba in like some Japanese yeah. karate action it's, movie, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's um that kind of shit. And then like, um, so Brian... Mm-hmm. Since you're wearing it on your head, let's talk about the tiger stripes. It it was cool because it was the U.S. made version. It was the darker because there's so many made so many different variations of tiger. Um, you know, it was just and because they filmed it in Georgia, it's like it was the darker, more standardized, I'd say, tiger that you know of. Like in country, I'm wearing golds right now. Like you see really crazy variants and shit for the base colors and for the there's some browns and whatever. But no, they're wearing very standard 1960s you know what like what you think of the stereotypical tiger is in my opinion so you say u.s made what do you mean well i mean the stuff that was made in the states because there were some very limited runs made in the states and then most of the crazy shit was made overseas yeah most of it was made in vietnam my my understanding and it's just that's all it is my understanding is that tiger stripe or i've heard i've seen it called tadpole too is is itself a a a I don't know if I'd call it indigenous, but it is a camouflage pattern that is actually iterated off of something called the lizard camo pattern that the French brought. The in. French, yep. The te- the Taz fifty, yep. 
Yeah, and the French left, or but tap, the, cam tap 50, the camo yeah. remained behind. Obviously, U.S. troops get to Vietnam in any or vol volunteers because the, the, the turbo, turbo turbo early days of it was like, oh no, no, these guys are all. It was almost something akin to civilian contractors. Almost they what, what they look around, they lay eyes on the on on that fucking on that camo, and you, like they do the same thing we all do. Oh my fucking god, holy fucking shit! Where how do I get 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 a hold of that? And 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 get a hold they do. Right. There was nothing like in the system as far as camouflage to get. They were working on Ertl throughout the 40s and 50s and early 60s because they, they actually started it with modifying the Marine Corps pattern of frog skin in 48. And yep, then 48, yep, 66, exactly. 67 is when you get the first like in-country trial or military trials. I shouldn't say in-country. They but, actually did try you know, it earlier on, mm -hmm. but we're talking like in ones and twos. Exactly. Yeah, you you always get yeah. those. Like they tried the M forty three uniform in Anzio. Exactly. In yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yep, um, yep. Yep. But like, as far as like, you're going to Vietnam as an advisor. It's nineteen sixty three, sixty four. There's nothing to get except for commercially bought items off the the commercial market. So that's why you see duck hunter and things. And just like Jason said, a duck hunter's good camo, but tiger stripe, fuck you. Like, give me as many as you have, and I'll take that shit. You know. So yeah, you do see the change in the advisors. Well, whatever you were wearing, remember, whatever you were, what you were obtaining had to be tailor made, because no, nothing, nothing, nothing they had on hand was ever going to fit you, unless unless Correct. you were that, unless you were a thirteen year old boy, nothing was going to fit you. With exact, and that, that's why they came up with the two sizing systems, the scales, of uh, U.S. scales and Asian scales. So U.S. XL is going to be like a modern day, like probably large, and. Um, an Asian scale large is going to be like a fucking small for Western countries. And so that's why they started stamping them differently, but they were all, well, when I say all, we're not focusing on the exception, Brian, and like the couple people that made them in the States, most of them are made in South Vietnam, uh, the tiger stripes. And so they would stamp them with the two different sizes. And that's why it's like the U S guys, if they got an XL, they'd be like, Oh shit. Okay, cool. It's snug. And then they'd have to get it, like, Taylor... Go ahead, Michael. So, just let me ask this, then. Because this movie yeah. was made in the United States, was all of that shit brought back for, to be in this movie? So, the... Brian? The Tiger Stripe is called John Wayne Tiger Stripe. Really quick, Brian, I'll just tell him this, and then you can go on. Um, the, the Tiger Stripe pattern that they were wearing was called John Wayne Tiger Stripe. It's not inaccurate, but from my understanding... They manufactured that for this film, okay. specifically yeah, so, based on original examples. Yeah, so it's so, it's. But Brian was next. Yeah. yeah. What's up, Brian? Oh, just so. just one second. Just basically, I know that they did produce stuff domestically, um, and it's of that pattern. It's of the standard darker tiger stripe. So it could be a, a prop made thing. Who knows? It, it could be the U.S. made pattern, but it's definitely not the Southeast Asia patterns that you see. Right. And all the the, the, bu the buttons were also the buttons were mm -hmm. also. U.S. buttons, and that wouldn't have happened in Southeast Asia. They Jason. they had the disc buttons, so yeah. Go ahead, Jason. Oh no, that was just I was going to be like you know talking like referencing. Yeah, there is like there's like it's I mean, for collectors there was like a oh that's a John Wayne. You know, exactly. so I was like I, I don't yeah. know I don't know if, I don't know if that's a factor. I don't know if that if Apocalypse Now has that too. But it might. Um, they I could have I could have I could have sworn I, I know, but I could have sworn somewhere out there I saw the same way you say oh that's jo yeah that's John Wayne Tiger. 
for like again as like a catch-all for like, yeah that, that's that that's that pattern there's like a uh, that's apocalypse now pattern for like for like a whole i wonder if that's a collector or if it's like or, or, or like a, or like darker tiger, tiger stripe or like a will oh that's a willard that's a willard you know uniform or something like that let me get my book on tiger stripe really quick i'll be right back i want to find the urtle in it because i'm interested to see how early they yeah yeah you're gonna you're gonna watch the movie again okay well good luck to you with that i'm getting another beer <laughs> oh actually i found it <laughs> as everyone goes yeah, it's the Mike Force scene with Peter song. I'm gonna go take a whiz. I'll share it back. Take a yes. I'm gonna fill up my water and then we'll we'll get to IMFDB. Ah. It's like, do you do you put money into like textbooks for collecting, or do you put money into collecting things for collecting? You know, I wish oh. I had so many more books like that. I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I put I put a lot of um, I put a lot of money into um actual books. Yeah, so this is it's like that really good Lerp series of books too. Oh, Birch, uh, can you share my screen? I found the Ertle. Yeah, go ahead. You got you to actually share it first. Yeah. The, uh... Gotcha. Okay. I literally paused it on a random scene. And oh, John like, Wayne's sparse variant it. pattern. Um, so, unknown. I'll also interject this quick. I feel like this movie put Tiger on the map. Because it did, I can't definitely, believe... definitely 100% did. 100% fucking did. This movie was not a flop either. No, it was not. It was super popular. Really? Because like Barry Sadler's like that that, that anthem yeah. like it was re-recorded for this, and like so they um, I'm just trying to I'm trying to look up. Um, well, Jason, didn't you tell me that like troops are making fun of this movie in Vietnam? Well, um, like, like, I, I've never unfortunately I haven't I've I've always wanted to when talking to Vietnam veterans. Uh, unfortunately, a thing like hey, have you seen the Green Berets and what you what did you think of it? is pretty low on the hierarchy of things I want to wring out of these guys if you can get them to, like, you know, start, start unlo- you know, uh, spilling their guts. Um, but it's, but, it's, but I, I do, I'll tell you one thing that is turbo factual, and that is that uh, Gustav Hasford, the author of uh, The Short Timers and The Phantom Blooper, The Short Timers was eventually adapted into Full Metal Jacket. He would often reference this movie as, for all intents and purposes, and again, you got to point out that short timers, while technically a work of fiction, is also in many ways, in a lot of certain ways, a memoir. And he would reference it basically as him and his compatriots, Joker and his friends, enjoying it like a slapstick comedy. Like, just like, just like dying laughing, like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I can't believe, like, you know, just like, it might as well have been like a mad, 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 mad world to them. Like, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and right. seeking it out and watching it on purpose. For the laughs, like falling out of their seats laughing, like the sun sets in the wrong place, they can't get, you know, <laughs> holding a little boy's hand, you're what this is all about, you're what this is all about, all this, but yeah, again, like again, Fu Manchu booby traps, you know, yeah. Yeah. Peters, Peterson appears to die upside down in the sign, in the position of the cross, did I, is that, or is that, did I just, you know, is that, like... Man, watching him. Pizza son. What? You know, like I, I, I got to level with you. I might be a messed up person, but his death really, really, really got my motor revving. If you know what I mean. I mean, seeing a man dragged like four hundred feet into a equally as large fucking I, punchy I, stick I, wall. I, I rewound it like three times to watch him go again. Then I like freeze framed on his face. I was like, I was like, you know, you know those, you know, it's like one of those people, those people who just watch like the slasher movies and all the giallos again and again and again. Like this is the most fun, mm-hmm. fun they ever had in their entire life. You know, like as I was like, what, like you know, it's like it's like, yeah. Or what about the the earlier sequence where the guy gets into the knife fight and like impales one on a tree, 
Like, so, and he's like five dudes that run him with he's knives. Stuck. Like, what the fuck? He's stuck up there, and then, then like, and then Aldo Ray comes and slaps his ass, and he and the whole thing, cl- you know, falls off the yeah. fucking spike. That was uh, that mm-hmm. was that was Mike Henry, who was a football player turned actor, and uh, he ended up being in a ton of hmm. things in the seventies. He was in The Longest Day. He was in. He's a. Hey, look for Jackie yeah. Gleason's uh, stupid son in uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, yeah. Huh. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Huh. Funny scene. That's funny, funny when that happens, huh. right? Yeah. So I was watching. I was like, "Hey, that's that's Mike Henry, the fucking idiot from Smokey and the Bandit." Hold my hand. Yeah. <laughs> my hat blew off, Daddy. I hope your goddamn head was in it. <laughs> so good. I want. I want to cross. So, I want to cross over between the cops and Smokey and the Bandit and the cop, the the uh, the uh, highway patrol guy in a uh, you know, <clears throat> live and let die. <laughs> talk about the 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 the, the Buford T Justice. Yeah, Buford or... T Justice is Jackie Gleason and Smokey I, I, the Bandit. I, I got me a regular band her over here. God, that was from what seventy one or something. Uh, that was Roger. Yeah, it was the first Roger Moore. Roger Bond Moore. Movie. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, like, really seventy one or seventy. That... Yeah, yeah. But they, they, then they, they came see out, him in Thailand again they, later on. They came out. Like... They came out swinging with that one, baby. <laughs> Fucking. With, they go to Harlem, and this is like the fucking oh the, god. The guy who plays the sheriff in that Superflies. The guy who plays the sheriff in that is also the sheriff in Silver Streak with Gene Wilder. He's same the guy. Character. Uh, yeah, the uh, same exact character. Don't look he's, it up. Don't look it up. Same character. Just <laughs> yeah. It's the same. He's sitting at his TV in the police station, watching watching TV, uh, watching cops and robbers, and getting off to it. If you've ever seen Silver Streak, it's a great movie. So Birch, what's the uh, what's the jury? Um. So when I read it's it was an experimental kind of um, thing locally. And locally as in domestic or locally as in locally overseas? as in South Vietnam. Oh, interesting. And um, huh. so it was produced about in 1965, hmm. very shortly, and then, um, yeah, that was it. Like it, they, so that they made for for the film they made a John Wayne dense, which is darker. And they're like, mm-hmm. there's no actual evidence of like this being used and fielded by any sort of forces. Because you you do see the greeners, the greener, mm-hmm. you know, like tigers darker. in lurk photos and everything. Yeah. yeah, they call that navy. Yeah, Is that so. what I'm thinking of? The what? Mm-hmm. I could have sworn there's one. There's one the collectors call navy tiger. That's like the darker one. Like a more like a more military might have had like might have called a darker thing navy. Yeah, maybe, but he also he also probably has the same book in like. There's one that has a hue in it of like green or something. Yeah, Uh, Bert, share my screen if you don't mind. Oh yeah, there it is. Moore's tigers are supposed to be not that hot, anyhow. They're not really not. Um, So yeah, this is the Ertl, and that looks like it's very early green dominant. Can you can you zoom in? No, this is as close as I can get. Unless, well, let me try a screenshot and then zoom in. Looks like a fucking Pazgit vest. No, he's got M fifty six on. I it's just it's I, well, too no, small. The best, puffy. But like it's no, it's definitely it's not brown dominant. It's definitely green dominant. Yeah, it's green, but it's like it's fucking weird. Like yeah, I think okay. it's called central or highland pattern because there was delta pattern which brown, and there was green dominant which was central, and then there was a black dominant. I think so, green dominant. Yeah, I think green dominant's what I have. I'm guessing the what you guys were referring to as John Wayne Tiger Stripe is that called that because of this movie? <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that has to <laughs> oh, be yeah. the reason why. One hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, that's cool. They have actually Ertl in it, and it's early Ertl at that. So, as it would have to be, but it's very interesting. What a great movie. 
<laughs> this isn't Schindler's List. <laughs> I can't fall asleep to this one. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't get overcome with emotions and start making out with a girl in the theater during this one, and then get caught and have to explain myself. Great Seinfeld Great reference. Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian, you're in charge of IMFTB tonight. I think it's yeah. It's time to do that. Uh, about the, talk about, about guns. The movie? Well, well just, just well before we do that, I could say this: the second part of the film, just again, it, it just like Mike B said earlier. Why the fuck is the second part there? What in the right, cotton, exactly? Like, what in the cotton picking fuck? Do you, are you showing us a, a a kidnapping that will be eventually be also be stolen by uh the the movie The Dark Knight? Um, <laughs> Skyhook. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, ki- general I'm gonna kidnap sequence. an Asian dude and fucking he's gonna be like, what the fuck is going on? And we're gonna skyhook his ass out of here. The whole sequence with the general, it just goes to show, again, how distant they are from the facts. Like, he runs the whole Viet Cong in the South. Like, oh, my God. He, show, like, he, just, show, he shows so... up dressed like General Zukov. What the fuck yeah. is going on here? <laughs> At a plantation. Like, like uh, all these dudes. all these In a French car. All these stuntmen. All these poor, these poor Hispanic stuntmen look perfectly okay, fine. And then, like, we got General fucking, you know, you know Zukov shows up. You know, fucking uh, was it the, the death of Stalin? You know, music kicks in. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why? Why is the why is the one hundred million year old uh, you know Arvin uh, Colonel upset that his 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 sister in law, who's a fucking spy, spy spies spies. Let me just put it quickly and bluntly. I, I yeah I, yeah I read Tinker Taylor. What of it? Um, spies sometimes have to be nice to people they don't like. That includes sex. <laughs> so, 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 why is this like? Oh no, no, I don't want to talk to her. Like John Wayne has to convince him to to go give her a hug. Holy, what the fuck is what the fuck is going on here? Well, dude, <laughs> why the why doesn't the movie end like the Siege of Firebase Gloria? Look, you had your big fucking fight. You retook the base. Everything's okay. We we get it. We get it. Cut. Film it. Fucking print. As we said earlier, this is. This is, you know, it's it's a thing of its time. You gotta have the espionage. You gotta have the going behind enemy lines shit. You know, I think at that point, it's just that they they wanted to do the Dirty Dozen. It's just because of what it turns into. It's like, these guys parachute in, they go to a big palatial estate where they gotta do something, you know, and it's... Yeah, it's yeah, but there's no, there's, there's no, there's not even any one-liners. They don't even pull the, they don't even pull the guy out of bed and have have somebody goes. Oh, I hope I didn't come between you. Like, like you know, <laughs> you're a gook, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and on top of all that, you get this like bridge sequence where like, yeah. why do they have to blow up this bridge? It's an action like, movie, it's just, dude. Yeah. It's made to show like what the Green Berets do. If you if you, you if, if, if you carefully watch, you can see a big hunk of the bridge is actually still fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you watch the first hour of the movie, you can see that the Green Berets were fine doing what they were doing. Mm. Yeah, at that point Which though, mostly what they were doing in Vietnam. At that point, I was so. just yeah. checked out. I'm just like, good lord, this movie's still going. The first hour well, is like, like, yeah, that's that's. I I have actually talked to legitimate Green Berets who were in Vietnam at different times. A lot of them early, whatever. And um, they said, yeah, all we did was, like, we set up bases. We set up little camps around the area. We would pay, Brian, I see you. Um, we would pay these guys to work for us. And as long as they got payment, we were secured. And they were like, that's literally what we did. We trained them and paid them. I'm like, cool. So, Brian. 
They're lying to you because the actual missions where they jumped into jungles with parachutes <laughs> are all, you know, under black ops. Very, you M1 haven't seen helmets, them yet. Yeah. Because Cedar Falls went so well that they made sure to do it all the time again. <laughs> Fucking you know? Brian. Dog still hasn't been fully classified. <laughs> like, you read stories where, like, the Triple Canopy Jungle was so insane that they used to put, like, metal plates on top. And land guys on top of the vegetation, and they'd repel into the jungle. Like canopy would be so dark, they'd be using fucking flashlights in the daytime. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I'm not and talking about tunnel rat. I'm not talking about tunnel rat shenanigans. I'm talking to see no, 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 what no, the just fuck like is walking around. Yeah, yeah. yep. Because it's literally, it's literally like literally having a fucking yeah. It's above you. It's black. And so, Brian, it's funny because like the couple of the guys that I talked to who were actually SF in Vietnam. I was like, do you guys have, uh, you know, the mustard stains on your jump wings? They're like, nope. Nope. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. huh? They're like, yeah, we just did helicopters all the time. It was only the one seventy thirds jump into Cedar yep. Falls, I think, in 67 that went so bad. Because first off, it didn't oh, yeah. do what they were trying to do because the, the pincers didn't meet. Second off, so many guys broke their legs from, like, hitting trees. It, why are there no jumps in the Second World War except for onto an island in the Philippines that has no trees? Like, there's a reason you don't use paratroopers in the jungle. It goes really bad. Yeah, and good. even with the crazy Tonsai raids and shit later on, everything is helicopter incursion because you can land troops far enough away where you can get away. You don't need this sky crane that we stole, one second, Jason, from fucking, um, you know, uh, what is it? You only live twice, you know? Like, I wonder if that came up before this or after that, but it's the same fucking sequence with the sky crane. Yeah, I, 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 it could, it could, this could be apocryphal, or, or it could be kind of like you know, one person's kind of literally just telling a story, so to speak, as, as, as we can all do because you know human beings are unreliable narrators. Um, but I heard with the one seventy third, I heard that one seventy third, there was an issue with the drop where like suddenly there was all this inside baseball backroom bullshit going on where officers and other people who had absolutely no business whatsoever being part of this combat drop were actually pushing combat troops off the drop to get their slot so they could get whatever don't take don't take it the wrong way but you know Napoleon Napoleon said it's amazing I can I can convince men to kill themselves just for a piece of tin and a ribbon so to get to get to get whatever the hell they had coming to them and that so when you say like guys breaking their legs guys getting hurt like yeah guys who don't know what the fuck they're doing or who 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 are, who are just way out of way, way out of way out of way out of coming out of left field when they were trained Force, force, fucking their way onto this op. I don't know that to be the case. I'm just pointing. I'm just throwing it out there. In my own independent research, I've heard that as well, and I think my information for that comes from Blood on the Risers when he was in the 173rd. Oh, well, time. See, I'm, I'm, I'm um, blown, that's that's my source too. So we're actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have the same one. Um, but oh shit, I'm losing my thought. But what do you call it? Uh, same thing happened in 01 or 02. No, it's got to be later. But when they did that jump into northern Afghan or Iraq at the airfield in Kurdistan, the same thing happened because it was basically to an unopposed airfield to, to build the Kurdistan. So a lot of guys that were like, this is my chance to get the mustard stain. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, happens. it always happens. Uh, so, uh, way it goes. Um, but no, the whole second part of the movie is like it's stupid. I, I, I love it's not, also, the second, it's not the second part. It's the last half hour. Yeah, it's the it's no, it's 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 the first, it's the last hour and a half. So it, yeah. But uh, the part that I loved is just once they capture that general too, and they do the skyhook thing. He's just like a stuffed animal. He's just, <laughs> he's, just he's just he's just like 
Well, not only that. Yeah, but what are you gonna do, Mike? Well, no, no, but the but point. He's just like kind of sitting there, just like waiting for things to happen. They're like hooking. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Hooking, I'm like just like, and then he just sits there and just goes up. Like I'd be screaming my fucking head off, dude, if I knew that was about to happen. This is good. There's a lot. There's a lot of fucking guns to talk about in this fucking movie. Yeah. Well, basically, all the guns behind Birch. That's a lot of guns. So, let's see here. Captured display of weapons. This was cool. Yeah, it was not bad film. at all. Yeah. Like, I actually, I was like, oh, cool. And I think that's an actual VC-made Thompson, because it's so out of proportions Modified and everything. Thompson. Yeah, yep. yeah. I have a, with the cuts as well. I have a question. Does anybody know why during this scene, that little, that, 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 like, group of Green Berets rattled up a bunch of info off either Deutsche and then switched over to English to an audience of presumably... Yeah, because they, they had a multinational audience. Yeah. It's a NATO audience. Yeah, okay. At that point. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah trying to, like, show, you know, we can respond to anywhere in the world. Yeah. I think it's a Mac 50 there. I, I can't... Or, yeah. or a 35S. A map, a map, yeah. Yeah, um, so. yep. Got that Thompson. I don't, I don't know, I Tom, couldn't that, tell... That forearm was all fucked up. Crazy. Yeah. Oh wow! Look at the. Yeah, exactly. That's a real bush-made gun. Very field modified Thompson. And look, that's one piece of steel for the rear sight. It's not a second piece. No. So that's probably these are probably real Vietnam bringbacks, to be honest. Yep. But the box of ammunition isn't. (laughs) No, it's it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It's caliber. That Papa that Papa shot with all the fucking bluing starting to come off looks pretty fucking pretty fucking boss. Oh, yeah. That's a real, you know, like, Mekong bring back. And it's, again, it's like, this is all made to show that with that scene, it's like, these types of communists, those types of communists. And, oh, Czechos- is this the domino? Slovakian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch out. This guy's about to kill somebody. <laughs> if, right. if only. If- <laughs> yeah, Matt 49, that was a very mm, common sweet. weapon used in the you know, China War and then in Vietnam. Yep. Yep. Is that for tank? I think we were talking is that, about is that thing for tank crews or something? No, it was just for paratroopers or, or really it gives us a machine gun that could get folded NCOs up you know, well. easily. It's mm-hmm. a it's a submachine gun. It's like basically like the M three for the French forces. You could probably actually it's, if you get if you get your, your, your left hand over that fucking mag magwell, you could probably hip maybe even hip fire that thing pretty good. It's got a lot of grip. <laughs> you see a lot like of there's, them there's, used there's, in, there's, uh, there's, the battle. It, it looks like you might have a lot of control over that gun. Interesting. They are really awesome. You see a lot of them in early photos and Yep, 28 Thompson, but this one's definitely a jungle-made one. And it's cool to see as well with the SKS. It's the early one, probably Russian. Or it probably could be Chinese, but it's got a blade it's instead of a spike bayonet. It's Chinese. So. Garen fucking teed. The Soviets, Very cool. they kept most of theirs. The Chinese sent a bunch of Type 56s down there, which is that what that is. Yeah, and fucking the 1895 LaBelle as well, the pistol. But that SKS is seen... You know, fighting for sure. Oh, it's got Christ. That bl- the black stock and everything. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that thing was so prevalent during and the he just, War. He, he just drops that from like chin height onto the table. <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I know you can't break that gun. I understand this, but still. <laughs> There's a better shot of the box. Will not break. Will not break. Kachink, it broke. <laughs> and then, wow, the PPSH has a ropes. Fucking sling. That's awesome. Yep. Fucking. <laughs> I like the gun. Oh, the background. I didn't see this shit. Wow. F- scuba tanks and stuff? Yeah, they're huh. showing the, 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 the. That's all the, that's like. They're showing their gear. Yeah. Yep. yep. Huh. See the, all this communist stuff? Look at this new shit. 
Yeah, then Thompson the, M one A one. Oh, ninety two Labelle too. Nice. Oh, Colt Woodsman or the Hush Puppy? <laughs> Interesting. If 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 uh, if, uh, if only silencers made that noise. Right. <laughs> right. Instant death. <laughs> Shotguns. Oh god, this is when they capture Peters or not capture, but catch him. Apparently, that guy's the a real like commander of the Green Berets. He's making a cameo. I think. I think I read huh. that. Yeah. Interesting. The first patterns were nice to see. But I think they're all made for the movie. But they also they should have been there should have been a mix of a lot of second patterns. There should have been a mix because sixty five. No, sixty four. The second patterns came out and they were mass produced. Because mm-hmm. the uh, first patterns were uh, sixty one to sixty three, not really mass produced. Mm-hmm. And then we started uh, um, escalating things. The second pattern was like sixty three to sixty six. And that's when the third pattern came out. You're absolutely so, right. You're yeah. absolutely right. But I assume they got all those uniforms for fucking free. Yeah, for sure. But like, it, it would be, it would have been cool to like see a mix of second patterns, like I'm wearing right now, um, in with the first. Um, so yeah, that yeah, even in '65 there have been a mix of first and seconds, and then the thirds, yeah, '66 onward. Something are the berets are the berets all correct, or is there, is there some sort of a no? You got to spit on it here and fold it there and make sure it hangs off your head that way. Thing that we're that they're not doing. So berets are, um, especially with elite forces like this and the rangers nowadays, which used to have black berets, which now the whole army has. But like the green berets, um, they're wearing them very sloppily in this film. Um, Especially Wayne. (laughs) Yep, the Green Berets, you literally take a razor, okay, that you shave with, and you shave everything off to be completely smooth. You wet it down, you wear it, you shape it correctly, because there's pride in that beret. Because that beret is something that most people cannot wear in the military. Uh, So you're saying those techniques that you use with the razor, so, so do these all just look like they're fresh off the assembly line? Yeah. Yes, yeah, okay. and they look like they just... Plop them on their heads. But you also do see actual Green Berets during the Vietnam period and, like, later. And even now, well, not, not as much now, but, like, you still see them. They'll wear them, like, so like he's wearing it right now. Like, it's, it's whatever, but um, it's, not, it's not the norm. Now, there are, no v- there are no Arvin Vietnamese characters wearing berets in this movie at all. Because, are there? Because I remember, I remember specifically that the... Yeah, Viet- there are. Are there because the Viet, Viet, the Vietnamese not green berets had, right? But what I'm oh no, what I'm trying to get at is uh, I remember that Vietnam period, all those soldiers had a completely different method of shaping their uh, uh, berets, which I, th- yeah, I I remember it was I'm being told it was meant to almost resemble a rooster's comb, and that they were they it, it, it they would just do it in a completely different way, and sometimes you'd see troops who were attached to them, like fixing their their berets in the Vietnamese style. Interesting, probably uh, is from some lineage of the French, you know, because the French had so many different ways of doing their berets, and a lot of the Arvin, you know, had influence from that. But I presume it is interesting. Um, well, really quick, really quick, just like kind of whatever. Um, I'm able to hear you, but like, um, not that well. But like, I'll show you my beret. Like, I, I bought this fucker, but and it's not shaped well. But I'll show you how we shape it. Okay, left eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got so we got shitty so we got center screen shitty beret, top left good beret. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, when John Wayne was in the, the uh, Green Berets and Special Forces, I guess this is how he was taught to wear them. But well, I was taught know. by a Green Beret how to shape a beret. I know. This is a joke, but... Yeah, no, no, but, uh, like, um, that that's what he said, and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know when that happened, so it might not have happened, because the guy that was a Green Beret that was my squad leader and platoon sergeant, when I was learned, or when I was taught, rather, um, he was in in the 80s, and so in the 60s, who knows? Because the beret was a pretty new well, thing, and it's, it's like fu- it's really funny. It's really funny you mentioned having a green a green beret as a platoon sergeant because like there's this thing where like no no they all they all go off over here and they live their lives in the shadows like a bunch of ninjas. No, there's actually no telling where you're going to run into one of these guys. They can be they can be put wherever they 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 they, ha- they need somebody at the moment. Yeah, and it was cool because like when, when we were in uh, when it was in my unit, we had we actually were uh, we didn't wear berets <laughs> outside of basic. For infantry, we didn't ever wear berets. Um, he was a Green Beret, and the uh, guys that were former Airborne would come to our unit, and they, they would wear their ber- their Maroon Berets yep. formation. Um, the guy that was a Green Beret wore a PC with the rest of us. <laughs> and then there was, a, there was a couple times where he wore his Green Beret, because he could, he was authorized to do that. But he's like, I'm not in the unit, but like, this is a ceremonial thing, so yeah, I want to see, like, whatever. And, uh, but he wore it fucking, and he tells us how to shape it. Like, shave the fuck out of it, wet it down, and then put it in your fucking A-bag, because you're never going to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. You, you do raise something interesting, though, that I want to look into. But when did berets become a thing? Like, is it really just the Special Forces early 60s thing? Because I can't think of berets at all being in any, right. as far as I know, military, U.S. military thing. U.S. military, yep. The late... Late fifties, late fifties. In association with special forces units, which happens to be the time you get guys that were in Indochina doing. Well, I was just going to say my personal opinion. So, from what I've researched and what I've gathered, it's very non. It's not like a fact, but what I've researched is a lot of the American advisors that went to Vietnam or Indochina at that time um, ran into these French guys who wore berets. And they were like, we're the elite guys, we're the parametro guys, you know, the FFL guys, or the French Ford Legion guys. And like, okay, we're these guys, we're these guys, and they were in berets. I don't know how exactly the fuck that came up. Nobody knows either. Really. Yeah, but it's like, it's like, there's no, it must be similar to, to like, not that I'm saying this is a widespread thing, but you did see it like collecting ears, because I heard the collecting ears thing was something they, that Americans saw others doing. And it was also something that, yeah, it was a trope, and it, it did happen, but it was people that were losing their fucking minds because they had heard that. And then, but, um, so the beret thing, in my opinion, this is not a fact at all, comes from the U.S. advisors in Indochina in the late 50s. And then they were starting to try to develop this group of special forces, which eventually became the special forces, um, in the early 60s. And then they were like, well, let's, let them wear a beret. And at the same time, Rangers also, who was a, a very, it was an old unit, but like a newer unit that they were like kind of um, adapting and all that shit. Yeah, they were kind of like. Oh, well, re- that, that's when it was the 75th K company. That was right. like the new idea. They wore yeah. black berets. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, this fucking thing that I have, I'm like, I didn't fucking, I don't, I don't deserve a special fucking hat. I was just line infantry. Doesn't matter. And, um, but the green berets, okay, I don't know exactly the exact story. The black berets, the rangers in Vietnam, 
they also, the guys that I've talked to who were green and black berets in Vietnam, they said, no, he wore helmets or fucking booties. <laughs> <laughs> like, like our berets are like a fucking, it's like a fucking uh, a garrison thing. The only time you do see some berets used is there were some in-country made camouflage ones. It's sometimes you very rarely see lurp Very rarely, wearing. yeah. But yeah, they were yeah. there. Absolutely, they, they were there. But again, that's the exception. It's not the norm of like even even with the unconventional troops, yeah. Let's, let's keep this going. Oh, yeah. Okay, Michael. <laughs> oh, it's I'm, all I, about you. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, just, I was just enjoying having fun. Like, like I, was actually, I was too. I was too. We're, like, we're, like, fuck, you know, that, we're that, fucking with him. Remember, remember that thing we didn't have while we were actually being forced to talk about this goddamn movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here to do is to talk about the movie. Remember, I, I, I'm going to call that part of this episode The Land Without Smiles. <laughs> that's 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 pretty much also there's a in general. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's the, na- it's the name <laughs> of my yeah. memoir. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the name of a forthcoming. Also care- known as Detroit, <laughs> Michael Ackerman. It's the name of a forthcoming <laughs> Care Bears movie. <laughs> okay. Well, Escape from Detroit. Oh, how'd you find um, out about that? Like fucking Michael's writing that. <laughs> God damn it! What the fuck? It's leaked. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait for Michael's new movie, Captain Kangaroo Two. They had the later M16s without the chrome. Uh, Here's the thing. Balls. They had the fucking three-prong flash hider on the front. So this is unrealistic as fuck because they would have had the fucking... The birdcage. Nickel-plated uh, bolt carrier assemblies. They would have definitely had those. The, the flash the flash hiders are correct. Um, but can you... Oh, I can't go any can't closer. In, yeah. Um, can you... Open image in it. Yeah, this there you is go. all there you the. Fr- go. Go. Oh no, no. Okay, so here, here's the thing. On this picture right here, that fucking that fucking receiver is correct for an E1, and that's what they would have had. If you notice too, all their front sling symbols are taped up with gaffer tape. Why? Oh, and- yeah, nobody has a sling. That's a. Uh, I was gonna talk yeah. about that. Like, yeah, but like, that's what the fuck. Well, it's kind of like the British idea, where like, if you have a rifle, you're carrying it. You know, it's, but, that's but, didn't but that's not how the fucking time. Americans did it in Vietnam. And well, so know, it's, but... fucking, it's fucking stupid. But, like, oh, as far as the receiver here, he's got the half fucking fence. That's actually really fucking cool to see that. Before... He's got... The... What? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I said, before I forget, too, so this is interesting to see these green shoulder tabs. Do you guys know what these mean? No idea. I do. Do not. What does it mean? They're leadership tabs. Combat leader. Yep. It's something that came out right at the end of World War II, and you see it, I think, in Fury, actually. They used to sew green bars onto their tankers or whatever, mm-hmm. and it means that you were a combat experienced leader, and it was a thing they did for like 20 or 30 years. No, they still, they still fucking see. do it because oh, really? when, I was in the, when I was in my unit right before we deployed, the guys who had been in combat and everything had those green mm-hmm. – and there were NCOs. They had to be an NCO yeah. at least mm-hmm. – uh, had these green um, tabs on their epaulets, on their Class A's. So mm-hmm. – yeah, it, it's still a thing. Huh. Interesting. Yep. It, it was very interesting to see because it was something I found out about a few years ago. Like When you look at late war photos, you're like, why the fuck do they have green felt on their uniforms? But it's a it's a that was also a very thing. early Vietnam War thing because they stopped doing mm-hmm. that because it was like, it doesn't fucking matter. Wayne looking yep. like he's going to bust that belt off. off his, what? <laughs> the, the previous image of Wayne's gut look like. Looks like it's under tension under that. Oh, he's fucking overweight. <laughs> yeah, look at that. In this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's funny because like a lot of guys would keep their belts undone because your gear stays on. Well, he you did it later. On. Well, we can talk about that. I'm sure it's gonna come up in this fucking in IMFDB. Mm. But like, yeah, that's like me wearing um. a belt that I'm like, oh, I can fit into a normal size belt. Don't worry, fuck, oh. I'm not fat. Oh, yeah, and then it's like fucking whatever. Um, oh, yeah, that's no, my no, job, no, Sonny. For, for me, it's uh, trying trying to like get everything together and then like looking down at my hands, trying to like like make the impossible happening. Like. Too many burgers. There's the Marauder right there. There's the yep, fucking Marauder. He breaks it against the tree. <laughs> what yep. in the fuck is up with that mag? It's a toy. <laughs> it's, it's got a, a giant. That's um, the Marauder mag. Oh no! It's, it's, that's a real Mattel toy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a real a toy. Mattel toy. <laughs> it's really a toy guy. Yeah. They, There's go one back, in the uh, sequence when they fall back, out of the Brian, tower. They have a too. photo of it. Yeah. Show them. Yeah, right there. Yep. Yeah, this yeah. is the Marauder. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Holy shit. This is what they would take these stickers off of and send them to Vietnam, and guys would put them on the rifles as jokes. Mm. It may be called Mattel toys. Do you have and evidence you would pull of that, this back from just from veterans that I've talked to, not actual folks. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you there, but like not on this podcast, but like, go ahead. Hey, you know, if you come over real evidence, we will. But it's one of those Vietnam War things. But what do you call it? Um, yeah, you pull this back and it makes sound, and you see them a lot of like you know. 60s and 70s films but i saw it twice here yeah when he falls out of the tower he's holding yep. one <laughs> yep. and giant man yeah. hey yeah. that's when george hey, kakai is getting listen, the clacker oh box god. you know oh my god it looks it looks good enough on camera that's what they thought i mean the, those were new rifles who the hell's gonna know at the time you know right exactly <laughs> in 68 like nobody like like oh this thing with the fucking handle on it, space oh, age you know, i'll yeah. tell you who's gonna know people who've been watching the movie and paying attention <laughs> even back then though dude like there was no rewind or anything like i mean it would be on screen for a split second you know so no yeah. no those rifles have been in your face being held across everybody's fucking chest for like literally by the time we get to this scene like almost two hours filmmakers don't give a shit yeah, right. people don't understand or care about that kind of detail yeah. shit and this is even before we have fucking punching. Yeah, look, wall, you see some of that. You, know? you see some of that <laughs> red paint on the tree there. You see some this of that is, red this paint. Is the fa- yeah. yeah, this is the face I make when the psychiatrist tells me I'm not actually Ryan Gosling and I'm just autistic. But John Wayne's face right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but it's funny. It's my face. My toy. face is the doc's face when you say that. So, you know. <laughs> this. The M1 carbine. I this yep. is probably most M1s I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah, oh my god, so. right? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. You know, because there was a shit the SF them guys used, using yeah. them. Yep. Yeah, the CBs, the Arvin guys. Yep. Also yep. a better gun. Yep. Yeah. Ah well. No, d- it's no. the World War II assault rifle for sure. It's the first assault rifle, I think. Yeah. Viet Cong should be in quotes. Le- legitimately should be in quotes in that description. Oh, God. <laughs> what? Oh my god. What are you talking about, Mike? It's a Viet Cong lieutenant, not a Filipino. Well, uh, <laughs> some well fed VC, let me tell you. Yeah, that's, that's a lot say. of rat. That's a, uh, that's a, I guess that rat meat really puts skin on the bones, eh, boys? Yeah. <laughs> right. I gotta fucking piss again. Me too. I've been, Jesus. I've been drinking I'm, fucking Gatorade. I'm really happy we got another guy on this, you know, on this episode whose prostate is clearly in a similar, you know, mode of mind. Like, after I shook hands with Jason, I met him. He told me, by the way, we're stopping every hour. I have a fucking small bladder, the size of a pea. And I'm like, okay. And then he was right. Well, I've got so. a big bladder, <laughs> and I, I've, I've drank a half a fucking gallon of fucking Gatorade. Got to hydrate, baby. Well, Come on.
Come on, we got a Vietnamese honor roll to talk about. Jesus, Bruce. We're only halfway through this bitch. Nathan! This is the third break we've taken. The Edwin Garand. I think you only see it for that one. Uh, I think that it's in the background a couple times. A lot of the NVA, uh, NVA and VC guys have them too. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Sitting there we go. There. Yep. Interesting. Well, no, those are the Arvin guys. Some Mike, yeah, some of the Mike Force it looks like. Yep. But white slings. <laughs> yeah, it's parade bullshit. Oh yeah. It's just so. Yeah, sick. I saw the M14. Yeah. A the few M14. Times. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, with the NVA and some of the other. Yep. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> they would have definitely had them. Oh yeah, capture ones and stuff. Absolutely. So it's like, that looks like a you see a fucking huh? It's a G ninety eight. Nice. That's great. The M four no, the M fourteen was still in country even even in the seventies. Oh yeah. Well, me and Brandon, a uh, mutual friend of me and Jason's, we met a guy in North Carolina who was Marine at Way, and he goes, "I never saw an M sixteen when I was in Way." Yep. And the fucking guy was hardcore. So there was just a few regiments and that had them very late. The stereotype is not true, but it was interesting to see the mixed in everywhere. And yeah, this guy falling back. I didn't see any work. Oh, I didn't. Well, that's interesting. The, all the yeah. guys at the end. Oh, the first IT. Probably all. Huh. No, it's a combat patch. It's a combat patch. It's not the unit they're in. Those are probably no, okay. all extra, you know, like actual army guys. Oh, the last guy was totally yeah. army. You going to the war, Sean? <laughs> I saw a guy carrying an M60 in that, uh, that, that outfit. M1 tanker. Ta- really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Without even the minute. Holy shit. That's interesting. Those things were Only... such bullshit, though. Like They're so stupid. I know. Only time I could think of a tanker being used anywhere besides someone asking if it was actually used in the war. <laughs> huh. No, the Kaver 98. Go down to that. Go back. That's very interesting. Yep. Because I did definitely I fucking say, see like this the, from multiple the, guys. The, uh, the opposing a Mike Force guy, the opposing one? force seemed yep. to have M1 carbines, M14s, and then what I looked. Oh like, wait, the G. Oh, the G98. Look to what me, Mauser yeah, rifle. G98. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's a that's a fucking Mike Force guy. With, oh look, yep. there's another one. Yep. yep. That looks like a lapel to me. No, that looks like or a Berthier. Straight yeah, it's a, yeah, it's one of those two. Yep. With the muzzle, but uh, that's a G98 straight up on that guy's back. So. It's mm-hmm. funny. Uh, hello, old friend. Yeah, Kennedy yeah, 8s definitely were in country in mm-hmm. very big numbers. Oh, yeah. Yep. And this next thing, I did see this when I paused it because I was looking at the faces of the white extras. So, and, uh, and I thought this was I a thought Thompson it was at that first. I was like, have... what the fuck is that? Huh. Oh, I, yeah, I also thought it was a Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is when that? I saw, huh. when I saw him drop that. T-62 yeah. Civil Defense. Uh, whatever. Huh, interesting. I have no fucking wow. clue about yeah. this. Some civilian made. Wow. Yeah, that's what it's it is. Probably Very just they had them in their arsenal. You know, the armorer. Props. It uses. Yep. Oh. Oh, it's an AR-7. When a different yeah. chassis. That's 22. what it is. Yep. yep. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the M60s. Yep. <laughs> one, two. It's laid down. I think it's probably a third one in there. Those guys that, are real. That, that did make my sure. that that did that that there that freeze frame there that did make my penis move a little bit. Not that. <laughs> Not that. Yeah. They should have yeah. made it a Rock fucking delta though. They they should have made it a fucking sixty delta mm-hmm. for Why? a door gunner. What? Oh 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 for a door gunner. Yeah. Dude, no, it, a lot it, of the, it, lot of the, a lot of the 
gunship crews wouldn't use those because they would use free slings and they'd hold them upside down. They really don't ever see deltas used in a gunship platform. That's only in a, what's the term for it? Uh, oh, what's the? Slick. Slicks would use uh, the mounted guns, but all the gunships would use basically free-floating guns. Well, you have, a, you have one next in the list here. So. Yep. Yep, the slicks. Look at all this Huey porn. I love when the any there was a couple times when the helicopters mm-hmm. flew by and the number of the extras lost their hats because they they weren't in lost their hats. Hat. They, also, they, they kicked. They kicked. I don't. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I don't know when the hats on the flight line are not a thing. Rule came into play. Do you know that, Brian? No. Because like we were always we we're always on a flight line, right? They said no fucking headgear, nothing. I don't know when that came into play, but like, it seems like, yeah. My my buddies were always told to wear helmets and to duck the fuck low because you know the depending on where you are, the weight of the blades they they fluctuate a few feet. So and there's stories of guys getting decapitated. So you know, low and fucking helmets. I don't know if it was started in Vietnam, but it's more of a modern thing as far as <laughs> yeah, the, as far as I know. So they tried to make this into a Browning fucking A two. Or M2. Very common. You see this in movies when they take oh my air, God. aircraft. It's ones. so fucking inaccurate. It's not at all what a fucking M2 not, looks like. It's just got the extra collar and no rear sight. The, the also, this is different, but that's the only three differences between a, an aircraft M2 and a, a grand one. A lot of times in Europe, it got really bad. They Troops would steal the 50 cals out of down American planes and put them on vehicles and stuff. 1984. Yes. That's interesting to see. It's realistic for very early U.S. Vietnam and Arvin guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really, any well, that's the only thing is you see them seven six two, not thirty cal at this point. So, because you see a lot of them on like tanks and things early on, especially marine vehicles, and they're all seven six two. So. Yeah. Var out's cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of Arvin guys had VARs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you get to see it. Oh Jesus, that's barely though. The Viet Cong. I wish more Arvin guys would have had BARs in this film. That would have been a lot better. Um, Interesting, yeah. So, Spooky. The M134, yep. Mm -hmm. This is the only time you ever see Spooky or Puff in a movie. And those are all definitely real miniguns. Yeah, the the, the crew got some good footage. They they allowed them to go up in that plane and film that. Well, I also don't know why they didn't shoot the 105s in the 40 millimeters. Did this one have... I don't remember the side of the profile of the plane... But I didn't think I see saw any long barrels. I think mo- Spookies mostly only had miniguns. They didn't have any of the bigger things because the C forty seven air platform just isn't that robust. For no, they they definitely things. eventually. I don't know when exactly they did this, but like uh, they did have one hundred fives and forty millimeter um, cannons in C forty sevens. Yes, or was the nope. was that the AC thirties that took over? No, nope, it was before the AC one thirties. So it was because that's what inspired the AC-130. Like, yeah, it's better because the C-47s were retired shortly after Vietnam. And yeah, but they had 105s and fucking um, 40 millimeters on there. It didn't mean it worked well or it was good for the aircraft, but yeah, you can Google it for sure. I, I, for some reason, I don't think that they did that, but I could be wrong. But it's one of those things. I, I don't know when the AC one thirties actually came out, to be honest. The AC one thirty came out I, I I don't know either. Yep, I don't know the year. So 
You saw yeah, you saw that this, this you saw there were spotter planes too lined up right in front of the tanks at some point too. Mm-hmm. There was a version that had fifty cals in it called the AC forty seven T. The fifty cals are miniguns according to um, Wikipedia. So, so the spooky I've, must have been a C one thirty then. Yeah, spookies were C one thirties. But I just wonder when the AC one thirties came out. If it was a Vietnam War thing or if it was post. Yeah, there was a Huey that had those one of those on it too, right? The one of what? The uh, the the, oh, the, okay. the minigun. Yeah, you yeah, know they, they could definitely mount them. Like it showed in this film, yeah, they could definitely mount. Yeah, one there's or two I, of them. yeah, there's a book. There's a book I didn't read. It was I, was, I, know, I forget what it was called. It was called Sea Wolf or something. Where it was a guy who was on, mm-hmm. on on a Huey with one of those on it that was like just just for like. Going out at night for cover missions. When also, it also, the thing, here's the thing is like, people don't understand this. Like, I know you guys might and probably do, but like when you're, okay, so say you're on a Huey, you're on a UH-1 that's been loaded with all this fucking weight, all this ammo, all these guns. <clears throat> so you're already kind of like flying hot or like flying heavy. And you go to like shoot these fucking guns at a fucking target. Bam. A lot of shit, but it's also the pilots have to be very precise. I'll bet. You know, and it's like, yeah, go ahead, Brian. AC one thirties came out in 67. They were first used in Vietnam in June of 68 and they had a higher platform to use Bofors and howitzers and that stuff. That, okay. That's probably what I was thinking 50 of. cals and mini guns. Okay. Because of their, their trained. Yeah. Cause yep. I, I just don't ever remember seeing C40 cause that's fine. Yep. The, the guns inside of C47 are all the spookies are all in the fuselage, but this mm-hmm. the, you know, other ones that sticks out. What's interesting though, is that they started to use them in 68 and they really took over for the spookies, mm-hmm. or, you know, for C47s. Yep. There were six that were shot down in the war. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there were that many. But yeah, Sam's are a real thing. Sam's are real. No, thing. it was all mostly anti-aircraft fire. But like that's again, what you, I mean. You Sam's. hear about the gunships, yeah. but you don't hear about um, them being used or yeah. sorry, getting shot down. But yeah. that's what it was. So yeah, Spookies as far as C forty sevens are only light arm or let's say lower than fifty cal, and then C one thirties were higher. Six six isn't exactly a lot in a ten year war. Not really. No, true. But, but it's also still, 68 to 75 is seven years. So I'll take it. Yeah, yeah the pack house. I mean, I mean oh, you're, you're absolutely right. But yeah, I, you might, my, my, my thought, you know. Yep. Yeah. I get it. These are great. They're great guns. Now, 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 now we're at the point in the IMFDB where Brian starts sounding like the gun salesman and taxi driver. Ah, oh, this is a great gun. <laughs> Oh, it's, 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 it's a, a great gun. gun. It's the best. A lot of people have told me it's the best gun that you can buy, money can buy. Uh, let me just tell you, a lot of people have told me this. So I'm just going to tell you it's the best gun. And if you want to do it, you can do it. The fu- I love, the fu- I love you're, the, tell- uh, you're telling me the fire base has been overrun. Wow. This is the first I'm hearing. <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to stay confident. And you're going to be getting the best guns here really soon. Really quick, and it's gonna be the most quick because these guys have told me it's the best. Hamlet passive Hamlet pacification <laughs> sounds good, doesn't work. Again, Jason, you're not understanding me. So you you're not understanding. We have the best people working on this, and I and they've told me that it's the best people working on this, and you're not getting it. 
I don't know what I need to say. I don't know. You win. You win. I'm telling you. Thank God. I, I love the mortar pit where they have all of the uh, the the what do you call it degrees. Oh, all of the uh, the ranges. No, that, that, that's literally like yeah. if you look at an actual even a modern mortar pit. They're gonna have this shit if they're if they're there for a while. I right? I, I did I they're didn't gonna have all this shit. I did enjoy the mortar the mortar porn in the movie. That's that's one yeah. thing I, I had no problem with. Well, the the actual fucking <laughs> firing was complete and utter fucking bullshit. <laughs> sure, because an eighty one does not sound like a wet boom, fart. I just shit. I just shit. A, yeah, a wet yeah. fart exactly. Or- or when the guy just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that yeah, exactly. Fucking, oh my god. It's like, dude, he's gone. Oh, Forget the, boot, it. The, boot, the boot and the gun that looks like it's been bent in half. Yeah. Dude, you have eighty ones. You have eighty ones. They're they're pretty par- fucking powerful weapons. They don't sound like punk, like an M seventy. Well, actually, it sounded less than an M seventy nine. Like the fucking sound effect yeah. they had. Jesus well, Christ! An M seventy nine or two hundred three is louder. I was than next that. to what, so, so so that was that, that was a blooper sound effect. What what's what's closer to what they sound like? It's like Shotgun a fucking. What? They sound like a fucking. Yeah, it's like though. they're or, loud like, as hell. It's a low. It's a low hollow. Boom! So like, it's like a, been it's to like, a huge. So it's like a, it's like a motherfucking sh- like eighteen war of eighteen twelve cannon. Well, it's uh yeah yes I was yes. when I I did this thing with the military and uh, I was next to them and you know watching movies and stuff I thought it was like. Those aren't that it's going to be like, punk, but like I was there and like dirt shot up everywhere once it went off, you know, it's, it's an actual yeah, shot. It's like, man, like, that is loud. It goes off. You know? It goes off. It, like you said, it's a cannon. It's a hollow sound. It's a very hollow, like, boom, you know, like fucking massive sound. And then whatever. And then when they come in, which is not a good place to be, it just whistles and it comes down. And then it's a fucking impact that's louder than the fucking when they get when they get, when they get mortared in this movie the you know the when the when the, when the, uh, the SF yeah. camp gets mortared in this movie there is absolutely no sound related uh, feedback that they're about to get shelled whatsoever things just start exploding there is no whistle there is no nothing um so okay so okay that's actually a really good question and kind of like a statement that you made um in real life if there were be mortars coming in, you would hear you would hear the fucking tubes going off. Yes, okay? yes. And so you, depending if they were far the fuck away, like 500, 600 yards away versus 100 yards away, you'd still hear, you would hear this. Okay, I'll just say this for the podcast and for you. Like, you hear, and if you ever been to a fireworks show, the hollow, like, boom. <laughs> That's what it sounds like from a distance, right? The hollow, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit more loud, but like not that much louder. So you hear the boom. And then it's weird because then the way the sound works is like as it's traveling towards you, it, you know, whatever. So you hear boom. And then you just fucking run because it's like, oh shit. And then it'll land at whatever point it was shot at. And if it goes off, it goes off. And if it doesn't, thank Christ. But um, yeah, it, that's how mortars work. So you would, this movie got that very fucking wrong. That's what I'm and saying. That's a yeah, lot of that's... movies. A lot of movies get this very fucking wrong. Is like, you will hear it if it's coming in. You will hear the boom, boom, boom. By that time, you've got about five seconds to fucking respond, which is not that long. But it's like, oh shit. And then you hear the... 
for mortars. Yeah, but they got so much else wrong. Why, why, why would they get that right? Well, that's right. You know, I mean, that's that's a, that's a fair assessment. But like, it's it's you know, all, all, everything they got right in this movie, I chalk up to it being a contemporary conflict, for all intents and purposes, to being like a right here, right now conflict. That's the only reason they got because because you can't get it, you can't get so, so there's now suddenly the amount of shit you can get wrong kind of shrinks if if that makes any sense. It does, but it's um, it's also if you actually give a fuck. About portraying it correctly, the, the audience or can't if you're see. Making a propag- yeah. Or if you're making a propaganda film, which is what they did, the audience can't see it. But I'm giving him finger guns in agreement, like spot, like like 110 percent on target. That's exactly it. On target, yep. like bullseye. Yeah, I just want to explain like what the sound effects that they used were very old. Well, not all of them, but like most of them were very old. And even in modern films, they use old sound effects. And I'm like, in our film that we made, um, Nate and I you know, spent time with actual sound effects that were captured. And I'm like, yeah, this is actually what it sounds like. Cause I've heard it in real life. And we did that. And it sounded in my opinion, a lot better than these generic sound effects that have been done from the fucking fifties through the fucking yeah. today. Yeah. So go ahead. And, 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 and that's awesome. And it's, 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 it, that sounds like, like the, of course it sounds like the correct thing to do and the right thing to do. And I'm glad you guys did it. And I, w- I would love to hear it. But the problem is now that we're reaching a, st- we, we've reached a stage now where all, all of these quote unquote, you know, quote, bad, bad sound effects have become so, I don't want you, what you want to call it, fossilized or metastasized in like ubiquitous collective, in, yeah, ubiquitous. And it's, in, yeah, it's ubiquitous. in collective memories that now, if you actually make a silencer or a suppressor sound the way it does in reality, which fake. by the way, yeah. some movies do. Some movies do this. Some movies do this. I don't know what the fuck I was watching. If it was an, if it was one of the extraction movies or what the fuck, when the suppressor yeah, it sounds like a twenty two going. Yeah, off. the suppressor yep. was yep. like it was like still ta 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 ta. Like whoa, I was like that's pretty cool. Um, People will be like, what the fuck? What the hell is that thing on the end of the, you know, and so on and so forth. Because none of them go, pow, pow, or like, pow, pow. That, that's not a real thing. Yep. So, or like, um, or like, um, you know, uh, I, yeah, not to compare. James Bond. Not to compare apples and oranges, but like you, you watch some of these older Western movies and no, I, I would actually in an old, old Wild West movie where like the realism is not exactly why I'm here for a gun to go kapow. I prefer that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that, yeah. and I, I, I know that's not realistic, and so do you. So does every. So does most people with a fucking brain. But like that, that's that's what you're kind of up against now. But you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's like I've been told where firearm, uh, where firearm sound realism is concerned, uh, a really good movie is Fury. And there's something <laughs> there's something there's something else that I also just like Fury refused to watch. What the fuck was it? Fury and something else. Oh yeah, the guns sound all spot on. I was like, I'm we can talk about this once we're done with the stream. All right, sorry. Yeah, um, we can talk about this. Um, let's just let's yeah, just continue. Yeah. With, let's do it. Yeah. So, and lastly, the claymore. <laughs> the, yeah, the claymores yeah, are yeah. nice. It was. It was funny. The first thing that uh, John Wayne said, and got the camp was, "I want you to dump your claymores." Well, hey, 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 Brian. At least they put the, they they face in the right way. <laughs> has, has there been movies so. where they face in the wrong direction? Yeah, the no. We the, did the other day. Yeah, the last one we did. Yeah, the fucking uh, siege of Firebase. Yeah, Gloria. they they face in the wrong oh, nice. way, <laughs> and I'm like, you're just gonna hit concrete, <laughs> but like, 
Okay, I guess it's fine. Clickety clack. Um, I want my, my my kill zone back. No, but so claymores, and also in in Firebase um, Gloria, they had like these radio like antennas on there. It's like no, a claymore is a fucking hardwired mine. You cannot do the fucking radio shit with them. And but no, so they actually in this film they for the little amount of claymore screen time that there was uh they actually did it correctly the only weapon that they didn't mention that was a similar weapon to claymores that's in the film that i can't think of any other movie that has it but it's 100 correct is fugas that so what is fugas i actually don't know it's a ditch dug uh along like barbed wire either mm-hmm. in front of it or behind it that's basically full of gasoline and diesel where you can flip a switch and then it lights up your um Basically, your perimeter. Yeah, so my, my question oh, I, I, is that, I, 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 I like that. It's early. It's an early war thing. Yeah. So my question with that, Brian, is like, how long does gasoline and diesel last on the surface before it sinks in? It's something you something you prepare. I'm not sure. We prepare, Again, I don't, I don't you, know the prepare, semantics. Like, yeah, of it. That's what I mean. Like, it's so weird. Like, I, knew, so- I, I know it's a thing. The soil, like, the yeah. soil is going to absorb it like a sponge. Exactly. You're relying a little bit like, on you're relying a little bit on the aerosol factor, I think. You're hoping. Yeah. Yeah, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be like it'd be like a little burning like pit, you know, like. What do you think? Like, what, I think three hours, two hours, four hours. That, that's the thing that I was wondering is like, when did they? Because it seems like they did this before, like a few hours beforehand. Flame f- fugace apparently is what it's called. Fugas. Yep. And it's a British weapon from the Second World War. It was an anti-tank weapon. And it, it's it got like phosphine gas and a bunch of, I don't know, it's a really long article. But apparently it's more than just gas in a yeah. trench. There's barrels involved. There's chart. I mean, but all I know is that it was a very early war Vietnam thing um, that you hear about seldomly that was used on some like small bases and fobs. Uh, so it was interesting to see. It's not like something you'd see at a big base like a Chu Chi or no. something like that. But Chuchi. it's definitely like yeah. a small you know, thing. It's kind of like similar to the German flamethrowers they had, like static ones. Yeah, like, no, no, no. so it makes sense, but it's like, like, you know, they set it up, like, in, in the film, like, they were saying, like, it was like, I don't know, eight, nine hours beforehand, and it's like, if you pour gasoline, it's gone. Even mixed with diesel, into a fucking trench, yeah, it, it's gone, like he said. It's gone. It's evaporated. Unless it's like an actual puddle of it, like, uh, but that's not on, that's not into soil. Yeah. That's like into yeah. like con- like a concrete like fucking uh uh like a fucking tr- you know well yeah there yeah where it doesn't soak in yes yep but it, yeah but interesting but yeah it's a, it's this trench filled with flammable explosives that's in your defensive perimeter and at a certain moment of time you can use it and I think it's sectional too it's also a super so you don't want to like blow a whole it's a ring. super old method. It's a super it's like old a siege method. tactic. The movie yeah. made it look like speaking of siege tactics, it looked like dragon's fire. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, literally. Yep. The best thing, too, is the guy, the pre-placed dummies ah! in the barbed wire. Yeah, because it's like, you see him, and then, it, then the explosion, you know? So. No, no, those are, no, those are scarecrow corpses to scare off the rest of the goose. <laughs> yeah. Ah! No, that's, that's oh. literally what it was. It's like, come on. I mean, Jesus Christ. And so there was so much shit. Like, again, the first hour, like I was saying, it's like it showed kind of what the special forces actually did in Vietnam. It's not this hardcore fucking thing that a lot of people would, would want to think. It's like, you know, we're saying for base here, 
working with the locals. And the Montagnards crossing into Vietnam, eh, very sketchy thing. That's why there was so much like kind of um, uh, hesitance from them, I would guess. When the when, when, when they cool. when they're go- when they're going on the snatch and grab mission and like two yards just kind of like peekaboo out of the brush with yep, them. I'm like, yep. What the fuck are these guys <laughs> doing here? No, yeah, exactly. It's that's like, a weapon the they didn't fuck? have the, the the crossbows. You know, like. I love I, I love a movie movies. where a, a bolt a a, a a a a fucking thrown bolt either be the, via via bow or crossbow of any kind hits a person I don't care where even between the eyes and it's like oh I'm dead like no you're fucking not get the fuck up and start yeah. get the fuck up and start yelling you're not dead arrows don't fucking kill you like that goddamn they're deadlier so they than shot bullets. In the fucking larynx would you have the same opinion? It's got to be. I, I want it to be that super, that super arrow from the animated version of The Hobbit. That's a nice arrow. Like that arrow will take me down clean, like like Bobby Hill. <laughs> Quality arrow. I think yeah. we have moved on to yes. final thoughts. <laughs> There's nothing else I think we can say about this movie. Or this cocksucker like fucking Brian fucking dragged onto the podcast, found a way to work the animated Ralph Rankin Bass version of The Hobbit into the conversation. Shut it down. Hey man, <laughs> listen to Tegu T.I. That was an episode. So, like. That was a. That was a. That was Yeah. Which one? What G.I.? Tegu T.I. It's a Korean war film. Oh, is that the way? Is that the one? That's Is that the Suicide Squad? Or is that the fucking. The, yo- the, the, the no, older brother's not... got to protect the younger brother from frontline service. It's that one, yeah. That one, yes. yes. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, watch, watch it. It's it's worth a watch. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna scare up three hours. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Michael wants. Mike. The irritated pony wants to go first. <laughs> the irritated pony? Because I made that noise, I guess. Yeah, um, I uh, I'm not irritated, but uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm weary, and um, I uh, yeah, like I say, yes, it's stupid. I knew it was stupid going into it. It's infamous for its stupidity, um, but uh, you know, it's it was funny to watch a lot of it and just to like to see certain things like that are supposed to be taken seriously and all these cliches and everything. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And then just to know the time period it was made in and everything that was going on around it and the reason why it was made. It's, it's one of those kind of, kind of fascinating things to look at. Um, and, uh, just because of the, the history surrounding it and all that, if I just went into this, not knowing a, you know, goddamn thing or caring about the time period, I'd be bored out of my skull. Um, but, uh, and the same thing with filmmaking. Like when I just watch it, it's like, Oh my God, that's like stuff you'd see back in the woods. Oh, there's the, the, the red, bright red, opaque blood from the time. That's cool. Oh, there's the little model helicopter is so cute and all that stuff. And um, so uh, John Wayne is so funny, you know. And uh, so um, uh, I think I just I got to give it maybe a, a three out of ten uh, just because, yeah, it's stupid. I know that. But like I did enjoy some of it because of just how dumb it is. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll go three point eight out of ten. No, you, your first score is your score. I, you can't. I can't add score. an eight to that. No, you Fine. can't. It's okay, three solid three. You can't, <laughs> Mike. You can't. It, whatever your score is initially is okay. your score. We have to. We have to have a standard okay. here, Michael. We have yes. to. Have, Michael, don't get upset. Mike, don't get upset. Mike doesn't make up the rules. <laughs> 
Everybody knows the rules, yeah. though. So Everybody there was some, the there rules. was a point where we were doing the point this, point that, and so I just thought, well, I'll add that to that. Then that was oh no, I'm still doing the right, point yeah. that. But then I was just like, but then okay, fine, okay, it's a three, it's a three. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. We have to have a fucking standard. I'm gonna go. Go, go, go. I'm gonna go. So, films, fil- films weird. Films weird, and and kind of you know, it's 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 obvious for obvious reasons. It's a bit of a time capsule in more ways than one. Um, I personally, I I can't help but get this really strong feeling that the the film's infamy, and the film's notoriety, and the film's controversy. All, all, all together are actually a lot more fun to uh, get into than the film. And, and you know, the film itself commits, commits to me personally, commits the ultimate sin. It's not very good. Yeah, very controversial. But it's also actually not very bad. In a lot of, way, in a lot of ways, especially when you consider its, um, its family tree, where cinema is concerned and where storytelling is concerned, uh, with with Hollywood and the way they make movie make war made made war movies things were going to change very soon, uh, but those war movies that its family tree is part of were wars we ostensibly won. Um, uh, so for me, it's a it's, a, it's a, when you get to the film, it's it's just there. It's again, it's not it's not bad enough for me to show to someone who's completely uninitiated as a oh my god, you're not going to believe what a piece of fucking garbage this is we're gonna laugh ourselves until we fucking pet want to want to die it's not so it's just bad you know and while i know i've mentioned things that i did i, I did enjoy or things certain small things which i i i did not hate or things of like ah if only you'd taken done the you know put this over here and put that over there maybe we could have had a, be- a better story if not a better movie uh, i'm still gonna give this one a zero um yeah no, I get it. <laughs> Who's next? Do I, do, I, I, do I have to amend amend that at all? I mean, I'm, I'm saying, is it? Are, do no, you, did you, that's, is, that's is, your score. Do I have to? Explain, that's what you feel you about it. Explain more about the score. I'll, I can explain more about the score, but it's gonna be we're, we're gonna be getting more into the esoterica of like you can't you can't knock me on my ass with a little bit of Huey porn because <laughs> I I've got I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm covered. Right. I, you know, if I I, I I know where to go and where to look. To, to know what it was over there. So like you, you can't just throw it up on a fucking screen and say, Jason, look, here's the, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the, with, 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 you know, the VTOL. So, so on and so forth, but I'm, I'll, 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 I'll just go ahead and see the floor. Damn. Who are you passing it to? Whoever wants to fucking go next. Well, that's up to you. <laughs> what? That's what you do. Yeah. Y'all, you, you, y'all, 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 Oklahoma's got some funny ass fucking rules on this podcast. Uh, it seems pretty who, straightforward to me. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wants who wants next? I'll go. And then go ahead, Brian. Be. So, yes. yes, it's an interesting movie. I feel like I agree with Jason that it it holds more of a like a it's a more of a product of its time than it is anything else, you know. And that's the only reason that I'm going to give it the score that I'm going to give it. But no, it's a 1960s propaganda movie that's shot in the style of World War II movie that just doesn't work. It's a tragedy in a lot of ways because it just shows the counterculture, you know, things that were going on in 68 and 69. This is right after Tet. This is right between Tet and Woodstock, basically. So, you know, it's just a very interesting time for this to come out. And as we see with the next set of Vietnam War movies that come out from 70 on, it's just, you know, very counterculture. So this is like the last serious Vietnam movie that Hollywood made. And 
apparently did really well, but you know, looking back on it 60 years later, um, it's just, yeah, it's a product of its time. <laughs> but that being said, it is, you know, a very interesting thing to watch if you're into the Vietnam war or if you're in the war movies, just for, again, it being a product of 1968, 1967 Hollywood, I give this a five out of 10. It's, it's worth a watch for its cultural reasons. But other than that, like, it's really not a good movie. So, yeah, um, a lot of things that um, I was going to say have been said. Uh, that's what's fun about going last. Nate, do you have a strategy if you're listening to this and editing it? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, a purely propagandistic. Pro- oh, Jesus Christ. Let me speak. It's a purely propagandistic film. Jesus Christ. All right. I tried and I, I succeeded. Um, and it, it really is because it came out in 68 and that was like right after like we were talking about um, the coalition guys got their asses fucking handed to them. And it was like that should have been the sign to like get the fuck out then. But they waited until 75. Uh, fun stuff. But uh, yeah. And you get John Wayne in there. Oh, everybody loves John Wayne. But it was a, it was literally a spaghetti western that took place in Vietnam. No, it was. It was literally a spaghetti western with like, oh, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna fix this place. Oh, I'm gonna go through some shit. And then yeah, it's like people people die. Whatever. It, it's it's a fucking western. And okay, the wardrobe was okay. Like they had first pattern. You know, Jungle Fatigues, it's finally had a bunch of fucking Tiger Strike that they just made up. Okay. Um, but they tried to they tried to tell a tale of, like, what Green Berets and, like, the, you know, Special Forces groups were doing in Vietnam at the time. And it was just so fucking diluted. And it was shitty. And the acting, for the most part, sucked. The casting sucked. Um, the way John Wayne held his M16, Jesus fucking what? Christ. Yo, what the fuck was up upside down? I've never seen that in my entire life. Also, he didn't have a sling because it was, you know, whatever. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but like, yeah, upside down, just whatever. It's like, yeah, you've never had to hold the fucking weapon in combat or like in a combat environment. Yeah, cool. But, um, just a lot of shit wrong with it. Now, did it? Show people a little bit about how Vietnam might have been. Sure. Vietnamese, bad. We good. One of those things. Um, But other than that, it's like, it's just a propaganda film. So I'm going to give it a um, 4.6 out of 10. It's a lot of John Wayne's. Well, Nate's not here to give Mel Gibson's. So I got to give John Wayne's, you know, putting the scores into the computer that will tell us if the Vietnam War will be won by the time this movie comes out, we get a score of 3.15. Wait a minute. Aren't U.S. Navy ships docking in Camran Bay, though, in 2023? Well, yeah, there is relations now. So, yeah, (laughs) let Brian finish. Well, technically, the war is still going on, I guess. But no, it's it's not watchable according to our standards. <laughs> it's below four, <laughs> so it's above Hyena Road, but it's uh it's a product of its time. You it's know, a, it's a time capsule of crazy. Yeah, but in, in some ways, I think, at least in my opinion, it is worth watching just because it's like if you want to see 
what they wanted to push the narrative of the war was or whatever, you know, this is what, this is what that is. It's good. It's, but, it's a good historical study. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Of the yes. time. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can, just, I'll go ahead and agree with that as well, actually. To, to a point. Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, this is what, you know, 68 June, they were trying to talk about, you know, in the media. And it's like, well, watch an ABC newsreel from the week later <laughs> and you could see what was actually happening. Um, but yeah, don't watch it, but watch it. That being said, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, man. It was interesting uh, to delve into all the stuff. And you're welcome. You're welcome. Now I'm going to I'm gonna look at 1930s and 40s movies differently and really try to see when that whole, you know, overacting started because it's it's not a silent era thing. It's definitely a, a 30s and 40s thing. So they just got carried over, but very interesting uh, hypothesis and things. And yeah. To end it with a quote, as always, you know, with joyous memories, we leave the magical city of Da Nang. With gay adventures lie ahead, brother, this trip's going to make LSD feel like aspirin. With that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.